Welcome to episode 138 of Cowboy Shit with Ted and Wacy. My name is Ted Stoven. He is Wacy Anderson. And PBR Canada Cup Series is back. And we are two events. Full swing. Yeah, Nick Tetz is back. He's got uh, got a, got a, another win. The Canadian champion is back. Uh, great to see the it's events. It's third win in Lethbridge in a row, isn't it? Uh, well, technically it's two. They, they can say three, but it's kind of a bullshit story. Because it was two events in one weekend, so you could kind of say kind of three in a row. Yeah, that's fair. That's I think fair. that's a little phony, but hey, what do I know? Back to back, back to back works. Speaking of phony shit, let's get right to it here, Wacey. So I've worked for the Calgary Stampede for a long time. I started working for them in about 2014 and uh, kind of gave my friend Keenan Vine, who no longer works there, he kind of helped me get, get things going pretty early on. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and I would do those events for, uh, you know, it was kind of a hometown deal, I guess I would say. Hometown and, uh Right. And uh, I think everybody's kind of familiar with that kind of thing. And then uh, go along and take, a, you know, I think a lot of folks took a haircut during COVID. And then when uh, things are back to normal, they go ahead and hire all the American folks back. And I know there's a lot of American folks here listen to the show, but... Uh, I think it's kind of bullshit that uh, when things get going again and they're good again, that uh, the Canadian folks who gave, you know, gave a great deal and gave a great deal uh, of deals get uh, kind of shafted. I think that's so. So for the for this upcoming stampede, they brought back all the American personnel. There's there's a few uh, folks that are coming back and, uh, you know, damn, really? That's shady. So just it's kind of garbage. So I think my, my point being, though. That I think that, uh, you know, I guess I can say this now because I'm not working there anymore either. I'm out too. <laughs> so uh, I'm no longer uh, ever going to probably work with the Calgary Stampede again. And I don't really uh, don't really need to in that mm-hmm. capacity on the, as a contractor. Um, kind of just kind of disappointing, though, that that would go that way. So I just wanted to kind of like stand up and kind of bring it to bring it to light that um, this is what's going. This is kind of, you know, this is my experience. And I just think mm. it's kind of garbage that, you know, once things get going again, then we're us Canadian guys, you know, we we're there for you when, uh, when you need us, but <laughs> you don't need us that bad anymore. Then, uh, good luck. So yeah, it just sucks. Yeah. It sucks that the Canadian guys do all that stuff. Like you say, take the haircuts and do things to make it work. And then just, they're you so quick to push, push them aside. Like that's such a greasy deal. Clean it up. Stampede. Not great. So anyways, just had to get that off my chest. It's been bugging me a little bit. So, uh, <laughs> So, yeah. Anyways, back uh, things are back going again, and you know uh, that's just my experience of the Stampede. I mean, I don't. Uh, I've I've enjoyed lots of it, um, and I've got. You know, I I guess that's just been my experience of this thing here lately, and uh, I don't have to really work for them or with them at very many events. Um, I I guess like. Yeah, I have no direct checks coming from Calgary this year, and I'm not too mm-hmm. sad about it. So, 
nice to kind of do some other stuff and move along, but just kind of had to get that, get that out there ways. So it'd be nice for, it'd be nice for you and your shoes to, to be able to take in Stampede as more of a spectator this year and not have to worry about the meetings and being right everywhere. So be nice, maybe nice change of scenery. Yeah, slow it's probably, down for you. It's probably do. So I got to say thank you to the Calgary Stampede and the, and the folks <laughs> in charge the for, for giving me uh giving me some time <laughs> off. I appreciate that. It's gonna be uh, gonna be nice to have a uh, have a more relaxing time. We'll That's see it. if they uh we'll see if they want to take my passes away like the Canadian Pro Rodeo Association did back in 2015 when they had issues with me when I spoke out. I guess we'll see if if they want to decide to do the same thing. We'll see. But I I I don't expect them to. But uh, leave that up to them. So, well, I mean, and there's, there's, I don't know, some, someone's got to speak out on it. There are nobody else will. Like, it's going to just kind of end up being the same cycle. We, we see it a lot, wow. that kind of stuff. Man. It's and like, it's new people, too, different yeah. times, right? Like, like I don't think somebody like Keenan would do that. Um, And I don't know. I don't know who's in charge and what all happened. Anyways, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to make it tr- tr- trouble that way, but just kind of wanted to talk about that. But uh, um, Relevant wait, you topic. Had a couple, you had a couple other things here. Uh, Great show we recorded here getting back to the other side of things. And, and mm-hmm. just once again, this is my opinion. Um, I'm sure people at Stampede will be disappointed that I mentioned this kind of thing, but I don't really, uh, don't really. So we're here to do, man. Talk about the I shit. Mean, yeah. Talk about some stuff. So, I mean, I'll probably get a couple phone calls, but, uh, Hey, won't be the first time. Probably won't be. the last. <laughs> You're well equipped to handle the, the backlash. Yeah. If there is yeah. any, we'll take it. So, Anyways, uh, Wace, you got a couple things here. Lethbridge, like we talked about, uh, I was glad to mm-hmm. see Jared Parsons do good. Of course, Garrett Green does well early in the season again. Um, what else? Trade trade deadline was Friday of the of the event as well. Uh, not a lot of big trades on trade deadline in the hockey world. I think all the action went on went down before earlier. Yeah, exactly. like leading into it, it was crazy. It was it's like had to be like one of the biggest like trade deadline weeks though in like my lifetime of watching hockey. There's all the different moves that were made and teams getting stacked up for the playoffs. Not including the Calgary Flames. Sorry, Wade. Oh, fuck, man. That was going to be the next topic. Would be like, <laughs> How happy are you with the Oilers so far? And McDavid. Oh, How many points do you think McDavid's going to get? Oh, 3,000? Yeah, it's crazy. It's impressive. It's I, I, as as much as I dislike the Oilers and Oilers, most Oilers fans, I'm stoked for the Oilers to kind of get that piece getting Ekholm and going on around. If the Flames aren't going to oh. do it, it, may as well be the Oilers. Okay, speaking of that, um, was to tell me, like, Ekholm, is he, like, he's not getting as many points as... Barry no, he's more of like a shutdown, like stay at home defenseman, okay. like a guy they're gonna need in the playoffs to shut down, like okay. McKinnon and um and like Ranton and those really good guys on the other teams. That's what they did, and that's what they lacked last year. Was okay, because like a solid goalie and they had an actual true shutdown defenseman. Okay, okay, I was wondering because I was like, I don't know, like I didn't think that Barry or I thought Barry was pretty good. I was kind of surprised that they. He's only like his values on the play, the power play, like just moving the puck and getting like and quarterbacking that. But which is part of my Bouchard. Bouchard's not, good enough, but like you have McDavid league. and Dreisaitl who can do drive the bus on the power play on their own. Okay, right. So you they're they're, need, they're, they're, they're yeah, they're okay. gonna be fine. Especially when McDavid's playing, he's a freak. It definitely was. It was like the prices for the some of those people that people paid for players was crazy. A lot of yeah. value for for average players. Like there, there was the one like that Tanner Janot who went to. From Nashville to Tampa Bay, like that was a crazy return. So no, it was, it was an exciting trade deadline. But yeah, it's sad times in Calgary to be a Flames fan. I think they're booing them last night, the last three minutes before the game was over. Probably should have. Oh, it's they're terrible. like they're behind Nashville now. Like Nashville was a seller at the deadline, and yeah, and the Flames didn't do and shit. Flames are behind them. We're at, I mean, we're at, a lot of a lot of Flames Twitter people are accepting the entry into the Bedard sweepstakes. 
Oh, really? Well, they're going to have to tank well, hard in the next 20 Well, they're, they, they, as long as you're within the bottom 10 in the league, you have a chance to, oh, um, really? to, to, get, to win the lottery and move up. Anybody outside the top 10 yeah, can't man. win the lottery. And they're like 10th, I think, like 10th in the bottom right now as it stands. Oh, yeah, you're right. 67 points. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Why not? Holy smokes. That's right. Because one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. They're seventh worst in that side. Eight, nine, 10, 11. They're 11th right now. 11th. Yeah. Worst. Yeah. So they're right, they're right in the sweepstakes. So they, they definitely can. Oh, boy. Uh, oh, boy. Yeah, I didn't realize crazy. that. It's crazy, oh, man. man. It's bad times. It's so Holy. sad. I, like, I got to the point where you don't like, don't even want to watch the games. It's so shitty to watch. Disappointing. Yeah. It's too bad. A lot of hopes, a lot of high hopes going into the season. But oh boy. Um holy. I gotta go back to this Calgary thing quick too. I got two more things. <laughs> yeah, no worries, man. Let's do it. I don't mean any disrespect to any of my friends in the US. Um, Richard Jones, a great friend of mine, he's coming back. I'm happy on that side of things. Um, I just I just had to say, like, I think it's kind of BS when when uh the people that have done the job for a long time, for one thing, like back not too long ago it was it was like Flint for Flint to not get to say goodbye. Like it kind of is disappointing for him to just not get invited back. Like um, just that kind of thing. I think some of the stuff could be handled a bit better, but who knows? I, I just yeah. think I just a bit disappointed in that whole thing, but, but anyways, I got to move on. I got, we got some, uh, some cool news. So a friend of mine, uh, JP Veach sent me an email the other day and, uh, and called me, he called me and sent an email and said, Hey, I'm, we're doing uh Rana. So, so JP Veach, former Canadian finals rodeo bull rider. Uh, he, he works in, uh, last time I asked him what he did, he said he manages his, uh, his investments in different pro- public and private companies. So he does a few different things, but his partner, Rana Ambrose was the former leader of the federal conservative party of Canada. So she was the official opposition for, um, I forget how long, but one of the coolest days I've ever had on the road of on our PBR tour, he took us for a whole tour of the uh, of the parliament buildings in Ottawa. So we got like a full behind the scenes tour of it. He had a parliamentary spouse pin on his lapel, and he took us everywhere you could ever imagine in the in the uh, that's cool federal buildings in in like the parliament buildings in Ottawa. It was super super neat. So for American and friends, that's like the tour of the White House. Yeah, with <laughs> with like Biden's wife essentially. Yeah, and like, the first like lady. it was like it was really cool. Yeah, only the first man. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah. So, so JP took us around, but he, he's like, Hey, yeah, so we're doing, so JP and I have both been on the board of directors for the Canadian Pro hall of fame previously as well. And, uh, uh, JP was there before I was, and was, a, he was a big reason why the hall of fame went to Pinoca to the Calmash egg event center. Uh, but so JP sent this, uh, this news re- release out the other day. So the JP Veachin family scholarship is being developed to promote learning about, the cornerstone of today's rodeo, our predecessors and their amazing stories. It's our goal to promote, support, and encourage young people to become involved in preserving this rich history through their education, community service, and athletics. Scholarships are open to the Alberta to Alberta High School rodeo students pursuing post-secondary education who are members of either an amateur or pro rodeo association. Example, but not limited to the Alberta High School Rodeo, Alberta Bay Racing Team Rodeo, Canadian Girls Rodeo, Canadian Pro Rodeo. Please note, two successful candidates will each receive a $1,000 scholarship to be awarded at the Canadian Rodeo Historic- Historical Association Hall of Fame Induction Banquet, May 13th, 2023 in Strathmore. If you're not personally able to be there, someone must be able to attend on your behalf. Um, applicants must be residents, residents of Alberta, graduating from the Alberta High School Rodeo in the year the scholarship is awarded, and must be entering one, into one of the following programs, an apprenticeship program, a trades program, a post-secondary institution, college, or university program. Application process uh, 
the so you got to complete the application form by typing your answers. Submit the completed application form uh, by email to carry.crystal at yahoo.com. Subject line Beach Family Scholarship. Deadline for applications is Monday, uh, April 10th, 2023 at 5 p.m. So the info is on everythingcowboy.com. Check it out. Uh, the uh, Veach, JP Veach and Family Scholarship. Get your, uh, if you know a kid that could use another $1,000 when they're going to college, get them to sign up and put their name in and uh, and check out the Hall of Fame banquet. One thing I, uh, one thing JP and I talked about was some of the people in the Hall of Fame and, and you know, one of the, one of the uh, pieces of the submission is uh, is an application essay that's 400 to 500 words in length with one of the Hall of Fame fame's inductees in the categories of contestant builder or legend and why you admire them. Applicants must be willing to allow the uh, Canadian Rodeo Historical Association to publish their essay. So kind of cool, uh, cool that way. But the scholarship's made possible by the financial contribution of J.P. Veach and the Honorable Rana Ambrose. So who would, who would you write your essay on, Teddy? Well, I was talking to JP and I thought it should be another submission, like a, a nomination. I was like, hey, what do you think about this? Get the kids to nominate somebody to be in the Hall of Fame. I thought it'd be kind of a Ooh, cool nice. cool process. Yeah. I was like, hey, like thinking the other way of it, like that's great to honor the people already in there, but they kind of have those pieces already written on the on those folks. But to get the new side of it and a bit of maybe a different flavor than the, you know, because I don't know who actually nominates folks at this point. Like, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I haven't nominated anybody since I was part of the board and I said, Back then, it should be Rob Bell, uh, Robert Bowers, Rod Hay, Denny Hay. And this is in like 2010, 11, 12, 13, 14, like somewhere in the early mm-hmm. 10s. And I was like, Rod hasn't rode since 2010. And it was already, so it must have been 2014 or 15 by then. Hmm. And uh, I was like, he's already done. Like, he's not coming back. No. And, he's, and it's been four years since he retired. Like, the Rod Hay is a first ballot Hall of Famer. So he should be in the Hall of Fame immediately, mm-hmm. in my mm-hmm. opinion. 100%. So, so um that's what i said back then and then it took him another four or five years to put him in but like rob bell got in there glenn keely finally got inducted a few years ago these are all people that i looked at at back then and said like hey these guys should be like first ballot like as soon as they even talk about retirement like hey you're in the hall of fame like this is the deal so so there's a lot of folks that are shortly out of competition now that Hmm. i think should be in immediately i think that helps validify the hall of fame and its relevance. Cause if you're just putting in folks that are like kind of like second, third balloters the whole time when they're older, cause they're on the list. Like, I think it's more important to honor the first ballot people immediately. That was kind of my, that was my argument. So I would be interested to see what the kids that apply would say. So I don't know. Uh, this was a draft that he had sent to me. I don't know if that changed or anything, but anyways, that was the conversation I had with him. And we talked about a time when we can get uh, uh, JP and 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 possibly Ron on, on the show. So I'm not sure when that might happen, but we'll, I've, I've been talking about it for a long time and we just haven't got it nailed down yet, but one of the plans. Great. Yeah. Cool. So make sure to check out the Canadian Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame on uh, on Facebook, their website, check out everythingcowboy.com. You can find the info or send us a note directly we'll uh we'll get you connected i'll but, put the i'll put the link up in the on our yeah, social media link so you can find, find it there on the link in the bio so there we easy go to find for y'all handled uh okay going back one more time to the calgary thing got three times <laughs> uh i don't think in our business we can give deals that often because we're only going to be doing this for a while and there's no there's not enough loyalty in this business as far as you know there's some places that are pretty loyal but if somebody changes then you're out anyways so i think that like mm-hmm. I just, I feel a little bit disappointed and like maybe a little, a little bit dis like taken advantage of for not, um, mm. for, you know, 
expecting the pay favor to be repaid for some folks and then it just doesn't get you know what well, is repaid and it's too bad too with like the quality of people we have being able to do the job like again no disrespect to the Amer american friends and folks that they all do a good job but it's like like Brett's a good example of like you can do just as good a job as, as, as anybody and why not have your canadian flavor that's like seems to be a common theme around the stampede each year is we want more Canadians and more Canadian content where that's an easy way to inject it into your show. Well, and I having... have a stampede on the other side of it. The stampede argument is to try and have some of the best in the world there. So, mm -hmm. so I get where they're coming from, but, uh, but you could, and you could argue a lot of those people, a lot of the people doing those jobs though, that we have up here are the best in the world. Like looking at like the yeah. Brett Gardner's of the world, like, like you and Sean are right up there with most guys on the, on the music we, side of things. I got invited to the U S one time and I turned it down to go to Lethbridge and, and I haven't been invited back. And I, I mean, yeah, I got enough on the go and I don't really want to go back. Mm -hmm. uh, I just don't have any intention. I've got lots to do. So uh, yeah, to lose those bigger shows is disappointing. Um, but I, I get, I get the stampede side trying to, you know, they're on the, on the North American stage and they need to um, focus on that a little bit, I guess. I, I don't know. Anyways, anyways, moving on. Um, <laughs> okay. The show this week, Waze, is brought to us, uh, you know, our guest this week is brought to us by the Horse Expo, uh, April 28th, 29th, and 30th in Red Deer, Alberta, Westerner Park, and our guest this week, Jill Barron. So we have a pretty good chat, with, pretty fun chat with Jill coming up next. Uh, thanks, everybody, for joining us. Once again, this is Cowboy Show at 10 Wacy, episode number 138. Thanks for tuning in. next guest grew up on the back of a horse and had had a lifelong passion for horses and education after teaching school for five years she decided to freshly train horses training has taken her all over the world to places like italy france australia the united states and after owning her own operation for around several years she shifted her sights to coaching where she has won numerous international awards and equitation you can even catch her as one of our clinicians coming up at the horse expo in red deer welcome to the show jill baron oh that's a mouthful hey. <laughs> and also i'm not gonna lie that i had to uh look up what equitation means after writing that down what does it mean Wacy? it's like the it's like the, it's like the act of like training horses i think it's the, the like the act actual process of like training horses in like a nice way i think is that true jill mm. <laughs> oh come on that's what it was <laughs> you're looking up again now oh we're off to a good start we're off to a good start <laughs> The act and practice of horsemanship and horse riding. There you go. Yeah, exactly. I was right. Yeah, that, that's what you said, right? Yeah, pretty much. You In said training. Way. Is horsemanship training horses? Is that true? Kind of. Yeah. I mean, is you there, need is, equitation to train horses. Okay. Seems legit. Is there a difference between being a good horseman and a, being a different and a good horse trainer? Um... I think they run hand in hand. Mm -hmm. There's mm -hmm. so many great questions around this kind of topic. I read a, a Facebook post 
by some trainer somewhere. I don't even know where. And he was talking about um, that equitation didn't matter and that he was there to teach a lesson about the horse, but not teach the rider about, um, you know, riding said horse and that equitation didn't matter. And I, I actually commented and I never comment on that stuff because I know. It was big for me. And I even told people, I'm like, I commented on something on Facebook. <laughs> Damn. Because I I don't like all the, you know, keyboard warrior. Uh, I just don't. Yeah. Everybody's so tough stay. behind their computer screen. Oh, yeah. And everybody knows everything <laughs> about everything Always. anymore. So, but yeah, I, I commented and I defined equitation. No word of a lie. This was last week, um, Wacy. So I'm glad you brought this up. Hell yeah. <laughs> right, good work, Wacy. <laughs> <laughs> and uh i defended it because i'm like i don't i don't care if you're learning how to get around a touchy colt or if you're you know riding a high level dressage horse to me it's all about equitation and and the art of reading that horse and helping them get through whatever it is you are working on so i think it all boils down to equitation so so equitation is like it's a you it's more of like you're applying it on a case by case basis based on like what the horse is doing it's not like there's no like cookie cutter way of like i'm gonna do this to this horse i'm gonna do this to that horse or do the same kind of thing yeah um completely agree with that i think a lot of trainers do have a little bit of a cookie cookie cutter program yeah and it's it's really kind of like a box store where it's like they come in they do this they go out and and i actually stepped away from the formal training um, seen because of that and it just didn't fit my my mojo so I started just kind of training my own to sell and it was way more enjoyable and <laughs> <laughs> I don't um, I every horse is different I'm really lucky I got to teach school I taught grade seven for five years and I learned so much about education and, and teaching and I apply it to horses and people now and um, I always say, you know, I had 30 kids in a classroom and every one of those kids learned differently. And it's the same with horses. Every horse is a little bit different and, and might approach something differently. So, so yeah, it's not cookie cutter. And I mean, you have your building blocks and how you're going to go about it, but you're going to come in at different angles and different times. And yeah. That's so, interesting. You Go ahead, Dad. Go. I got, I got a quick one on the business yeah, side of things. Um, I don't know. I don't know how it all works exactly. And I'm wondering, is there more margin or more like better living in it with your, with training and selling your own horses? Because you'd be like a pretty, I'm just assuming, but it's probably like a lower rate to train someone else's horse for a set fee or whatever. And you're riding outside horses all the time and you're never, only ever going to make that certain amount. But if you can be a really great horse trainer and buy and sell your own horses, then maybe there's more like maybe there's more money and I don't know. Am I, am I assuming wrong or? Um, it depends on how good you are at, at either end of those um, spectrums. Right. Okay. And I find also to make a good chunk of change training horses, you need to have a pile of training horses sitting out in your arena. And um, if you've ever done it where you're riding 12 to 15 horses a day, it's not, that much fun i didn't find it fun anyways um and i love riding training horses is like it's <laughs> my every it's i love life. it 
Yeah. Yeah. And it got, so when you're training that many, it was losing its sparkle pretty quick. And I thought, man, I got to rearrange this because I love doing this and I don't want to like drag my feet to the arena and, and not love it. So, um, I also didn't want to be a, a crippled old person either. You see these old horse trainers that like can't walk and <laughs> have a bad knee, hip, shoulder and everything in between. And, um, a lot of stuff i mean the longer you're in it and in an industry the training industry and you um you know your reputation grows you get better at it um you get better horses but when you're starting out you ride everything and anything and anything you can get, yeah yeah anything that's coming to the door and i'm thankful for those horses uh, they taught me so much um but i didn't want to ride them forever either so by the end, I mean, I had really good clientele, but you were still dealing with tough horses. And uh, I just, I wanted to enjoy it as much as I could. So I tried to rearrange it to where I love it. And now I'm riding my own horses mm. that I've handpicked and super enjoyable, super fun. I look forward to it every day. And it, it's what I would do. Well, it is what I do pretty much morning till night so and, and it, it, would, it would affect your quality though too right you're riding 12 horses a day like if you're yeah. if you can actually put the time and effort into three or four rather than a whole string of them it's probably you're probably be pumping up better quality horses at the end of the day yeah you're right and you know those horses at the end of the day it's just like teaching a clinic to those people that ride at the end of your clinic day you don't have as much energy you don't have as much um, sh sharpness so you don't have as much to give to that horse or person at the end of the day so you're totally right with that so on the uh on the other side of it too though is that riding your own horses you can go and travel like you're doing right now like you're you're talking to us from california you've been down there showing and riding some of your own horses this winter and and that's been something you've done quite a few years doing this sort of thing now yeah. Cause you have the flexibility where if you're riding everyone else's horses, you'd have to be at home at your arena and you'd never really get to leave. You'd be kind of tied, tied to it, but this way you can be free and do more of what you want to do more often. Probably. You are correct. Yeah. I had an arena just outside of Turner Valley for 10 years. And I, I mean, that place was a beautiful property and a beautiful heated arena. And it was everything I had dreamt of. Um, but it, was a tough go and you I couldn't leave it you are married to that place I probably at the height of it I had about 50 horses there there was boarding horses and everything in between so <laughs> um it was a lot of work between boarding and lesson programs and training and yeah chores well you uh one silver lining is I looked uh looked up Jill Barron horse trainer on Google and you have a five-star uh uh, rating for the Baron Barn in Turner yeah. Valley. If you ever need to go back was, or anything, was that was there one one rating? Seven, seven reviews, seven. all five yes. stars. Look at that. <laughs> That's great. That's hard to get. That's hard to get. Wait, Not easy. Wait, how hard? How, it probably would have been a lot harder dealing with the people in that scenario too than some of the horses. Like what, <laughs> do you have any some nightmare stories? Oh yeah, you want me to go there, do you? Oh yeah, we want the juice. <laughs> yeah, it. Honestly, for me, I choose horses over people any day. Um, <laughs> I do. It's, it's That's a, spoken like I, a true horse girl. Yeah. <laughs> um, and 
it it was hard um for me that arena was my safe haven and my my quiet place but there was always people in there and they always wanted to talk to you and they always wanted something from you and honestly the people that you um that board horses are the people who Oh man, how do you? <laughs> the people who, they're the people. Most people who, I'll, I'll say what you're th- I think I, I think I can say yeah, what you're thinking. You most people, it. most people who board horses are the people who shouldn't be boarding horses. Well, I wasn't going to say that. <laughs> oh, that's where I was going. Like they shouldn't even yeah. own horses, or what do you mean? Some people, yeah, no. most people, maybe most people who do, especially in that they part just, of the world. <laughs> they okay. just think they know a lot. Um, and no matter what you say with your opinion, they already have theirs made up and. Um, you know, they're paying you for your knowledge and your expertise and, and they're, <laughs> this is tough to describe. <laughs> <laughs> um, they're just really opinionated and they know best. Most of them, not all of them. I mean, there's some wonderful ones, but it usually only takes one or two that one bad apple. Are, are challenging. I like to call them bad eggs, but yeah. Um, <laughs> So the people did wear on me for sure. And I, I teach a lot of people. So I, I'm in front of people. I see people, I go home and there's people in my arena and there's people calling to ask if their horse got their blanket put on, you know (laughs) what I mean? Like, um, I wouldn't, I would last like three minutes (laughs) and I would drop, kick my phone into the water. (laughs) It was hard, but I kept (laughs) kept in my mind that um they were paying for this beautiful facility and i only had to do it until i had it paid down and then kick out the people how many people how many people did you kick out of like lessons and stuff or like little brat kids Uh, just kicking them out of their bad horses did you ever do that no i never kicked them out i've drugged some kids off their horses before (laughs) yeah damn horse kids what happened tell us the story i want to hear it well, I used to give summer camps, a lot of summer camps. Um, they were actually one of my favorite things to do. We had a pretty cool, in my opinion, summer camp program. Um, and some of the kids rode with me every week of the summer. They just lived at my place pretty much. Oh, yeah, which was great. Um, <laughs> and this uh, one young lady, she has fiery red hair. Was her name just- Karen? painting the picture no i i want to name her but i'm going to make her watch this and she'll know exactly who i'm talking about (laughs) and um i asked her to do something and she had a pout on and i said well get off your horse then if you don't want to do it or listen get off your horse and she got even madder and i said i don't you're not you know pulling this in in my arena and she wasn't listening so i just grabbed her by the scruff of the neck and took her off her horse and (laughs) plunked her down and i said come talk to me when you have a little different attitude. And I only had to do it once and she was good. The rest I taught her, I think they started right with me and they were like six years old and they rode through till they're 16, 17, wow. pretty so competitive rodeo kids. So your parents didn't, uh, they didn't, their, their parents didn't consider it abuse. It was just discipline. Oh, no. So it was okay. That's, that's why parents love to send their kids to me. Cause I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they'd listen to you. Yeah. It's true. I get so many phone calls. Oh, would you help um, teach, you know, little Johnny how to ride? Cause he won't listen to me and I know he'll listen to you. So that's, 
that's what kept me in business for a while. Huh. The uh who was the guy that had the the show probably five to seven to ten years ago? It was I don't know if it was like uh I don't know where we would have even seen it now, but it was one of the big trainers and it was this whole story about how he was more training the people than the horses. Cause the horses kind of got bad habits from their people that owned them and do, who do you know who this guy was? Was is that, that like the, a, is that the dog show season Milan? No, no, no. It's <laughs> it's it was a horse training thing. Uh but it was like I a, just, uh, a pretty I mainstream just show. What, what, I just that wouldn't have been Caesar like that wouldn't have been like Clinton Anderson stuff like down under horsemanship. No, this guy oh. this was a oh it's Brandon. Buck Brandon is it Oh Buck Brandon. Buck Banana yeah. Man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Isn't it him though? Because he has a he has a kid like a, one of the kids is kinda our age now. Um, yeah, his daughter Riata's like a daughter, singer yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. Yeah, anyways. Yeah, his, his movie, yeah, he had a movie on Netflix. A movie. Oh, that's what yeah. it was. Yeah. Yeah. And he, yeah, it was like this whole storyline about how this like this one lady was like having trouble at work and all this different shit. And her horse was a menace because she didn't train it right or didn't spend the time. And like this is is this the kind of stuff like I don't know where I'm trying to go with this, but like that's <laughs> the kind of thing that you have to fix or like you I guess you had to. You don't now because you're buying and selling your own horses, but that's probably the kind of shit you went through every day previously. Um, what you said that if it was Buck that said that is completely accurate. My joke with people is that I'm traveling around because I give a ton of clinics. Like I've whittled it down, train my own horses, and and then I travel and give clinics. Um, so my joke is is that I am um, helping horses with their people. Because it's, it's so true, yeah. Crazy. <laughs> it's usually not the horse's fault, um, and it it doesn't take usually take me very long, and I can fix some things, tweak some things, and that that horse just starts to find its way because we've allowed it the openings to to be good or, or fix that right lead or you know whatever it is. But it's usually the people getting in their way, and I can just clean up. I, I've studied it and i have lots of um biomechanics classes from university and stuff so i'm really good at watching and breaking stuff down and usually i can fix the rider and stuff starts happening and they're like oh my god huh. it was me and i'm like yeah duh, duh. <laughs> well, a lot Everybody of times else. too a lot of times too it can be just like as simple as like the energy you're putting off like we used to have a horse that my like like it was my horse and I could ride him all the time no problem but my dad couldn't couldn't do nothing on him because my dad's like a, like a high energy like gets work like we yeah. go team rope and he gets worked he up is in a the wild box. horse racer though yeah he's a crazy ass wild <laughs> horse racer so he just like just a high high and high strung guy but like he'd get on this horse and he, like couldn't do a damn thing and then like I'm a bit more calm and like reserved yeah. and it was like night and day it's crazy it's crazy how like just something that small can set a horse off. Well, I teach predominantly uh middle-aged women now i yeah i would say that's the bulk of it and a lot of them come with a lot of um fear and anxiety around life in general and then especially horses because they're big they're scary bastards freaking critters. <laughs> yeah so um i'm lucky too with my background i've got some psychology classes so i'm pretty good at reading people and then helping people with that as well so i'm I'm um, I kind of 
you know, just study people, study horses. And then I try and find the, the quickest route to bridge whatever gap there might be. But I deal with a lot of fear and anxiety, a lot. If you can read people, what are you reading in Wacy right now? I can't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? You can't read those glasses, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, do you ever do you ever like get to a point like when you're in those clinics doing that kind of thing where you can't like bridge the gap have you ever been stumped yet um no no um but i've had to there's a lot of like professional clinic takers that they just sign up to ride with anybody and everybody because they think it's cool so they, or whatever they go on the trail ride next week like, oh yeah i was at jill barron's clinic last weekend she's so sick yeah totally <laughs> like when people come and ride they're like oh I, i'm a, a buck disciple and i did pat pirelli for x amount like that's people jones on that stuff buck Branneman lives close to here so i get a lot of people who have been through buck stuff um mm -hmm. so um anyways you get those professional clinic takers and i find they're not there to learn they're there just to buy the t-shirt and tell their buddy on the trail ride you're right and <laughs> i used to give a lot of energy to those people because i'm like i want to help you i i want you to get better and I, I mean i'm a i'm pretty competitive um and i really want people to get better and and do better and and help them but um i had to turn that down a little bit because a lot of people are just happy getting a little bit better and just hanging out and uh, which is fine um but those people that were just there the professional clinic takers i used to give a lot of energy it used to tire me out like i would be really tired after being around people like that but i literally got to read them pretty quick now and it's like okay i just tell them their horse is really pretty and uh <laughs> thanks for coming out carry on here's so, the t-shirt yeah <laughs> um, exactly to, i might be on the wrong track here too but tell me or you don't have to say or you can say it's a dumb question but how often do you get asked like what the most common error is like i'm, I'm assuming everybody asks this question or maybe maybe common not yeah what are people horses? yeah what are people doing wrong or not 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 horses because I, I i'm not, i don't think it's the horse's fault here i think it's people not knowing how to train animals just like me not knowing how to train a fucking dog i just like i don't i don't know <laughs> Not what I know. Yeah, um, I was looking for some for some free clinic advice here. Yeah. Well, hey, <laughs> to apply to his dogs. You uh, <laughs> you don't. Yeah, and like kinda, but also kind of <laughs> just uh, I'm just wondering. I'm really curious here. Do you know the parallels between children, horses, and dogs are crazy? I don't know. I've never had. I've only had dogs and horses. I don't have any kids at this point. Fun fact. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's pretty crazy. The the way they work and think it's, it's neat but um what people are doing wrong what are the parallels to explain the parallels first um okay um just the way they think the way they learn they love structure um i find this is i mean i can speak to kids nowadays because i was in the classroom and i got out of the classroom and i saw the kids changing and i mean there's such a shift in the the kids nowadays um but they don't have as much structure and discipline in their life in my opinion um 
and they need a little fear, some good, healthy fear. Um, and I found when I was teaching school. I mean, I wasn't putting fear in them, but um, I was the bit. one. Just a bit. Got <laughs> yeah. a strap in your hand. Yeah. Exactly. Just walking around. Meter stick. Um, <laughs> but I was the one at school doing that with these kids. And, you know, the parents were just like, yeah, take care of it kind of deal. And I just, I saw it, you know, continuing down that path. Um, so I really learned that teaching school is that, especially with kids, they love structure and they really like to know what happens when they don't do something right, you know, and they, they need that discipline. It's the same with a horse and it's the same with a dog. So those are, those are my top two things about um, the similarities. Hmm. They want to, they want to touch the big red button. Mm-hmm. So what happens with that? And this kind of actually loops back Ted into your question about what are people doing wrong um, or not wrong, or they need more practice at it, whatever you want to um, say. They really lack um, expectations and guidelines because they don't know what they're doing with their horse. Essentially, they love their horse is pretty. They love to brush them and dress up in cool outfits. Um, so it's hard for them. They don't know their expectation. So they, they don't know how to take the steps to get there. And then if the, the plan deviates from that, they don't know how to discipline to get focus back into this path to their expectation. And it's, um, horses really need that. If, if a horse doesn't have, you know, the discipline to stay on track, they really look to cause trouble that's when horses look to get spooky or um, get off task. Um, yeah, I find they just lose a lot of confidence when they don't have that discipline. It's just honestly the same as a dog and, and a kid is that um, they, they need to know when they're doing things right and when they're doing things wrong. And most people don't know what they're after, so they can't differentiate between the, the right and the wrong. And then the, the discipline and the discipline I'm talking about could be just, you know, putting them back on a path you were on moving your horse off your leg. That could be all the discipline I'm talking about. It doesn't have to be a big thing. It's just um, creating a fix for the problem in your, your horse training. So huh. rather than well, them, was- like, rather than like get, let them get away with it over and over again, that's like, and bad, that's bad what they do. Have. Yeah. Yeah. How, so when you're when you're starting a new horse, how do you go about like select? Do you have like an end goal in mind? Like, there's a job I want this horse to do, or like I want this horse to be a rope horse. This horse to every time yeah. you go into, you had a different structure that way. That's a good question because I get asked that a lot about my horses. Like, well, what does your horse do? Because most people, it's a a rope horse or a barrel horse or a you know, it kind of only does one job. But honestly, I want every one of my horses to be able to do whatever I want them to do. Um, and I'm, I don't know, I can't speak for, um, you know, everyone, but I think I'm one of the few people that does a lot of different things with their horses too. Um, I want all my horses to be rope horses. So, you know, breakaway rope on them or head on them or heel on them. They're all ranch horses, first and foremost. Um, if they're not handy on the ranch, then, you know, we don't really have a, 
I don't have a need for them because I have they have to be working horses. Mm-hmm. Um, I show them all, so they all go to the show ring. Um, I mean, I've done all sorts of things with my horses, from fire acts and performances to scajoring to yeah, all sorts of things. And and I think I know <laughs> a well trained horse that's confident, which is my end goal, will do anything for you. So that's that's my whole training um, program is just building a really well fine tuned confident athlete. You can really tell the difference between a horse that's like been around and done some stuff that it's rather as opposed to like a psycho barrel horse that's only done the same thing over and over again. I think that, yeah. I do think that's where a lot of rodeo people miss though. Like they specialize their horses like so early on, and then it's like they go squirrely in the brain. It could yeah. be the same as kids too. Like kids nowadays, like looking at kids in sports, like they'll play, they'll start playing like full time, like rep hockey at like nine years old. They won't get that's all they do all year is play hockey. That's it. Then by the time it's they get, to, they get time to get to the point where they want to go, they're so burnt out they don't even play anymore. They don't like when, like we, it. when we were growing up, it's like you're you're playing hockey, baseball, everything. They kind of get in the mix of it, so you're actually like wanting to do those things, and you're like more well rounded heading into the yeah. each season, I guess. Yeah, that's a good comparison. I I think mentally a horse is bred, born, designed to do many different jobs. So I I stress that in their training and I think they're much happier and more confident, you know, for it. My horses, I've never had a horse that's hard to catch. They, all of them literally like hang their head over and push on the fence when I'm coming, like, pick me, pick me. Um, all of them. And then when I, when I catch one there, you can tell they're like, oh, I wanted to go. And, and that's how, how I do want you, how them. Do you I do want that? them to be excited. How do you do um, that? Well, by building confidence, I'm a huge advocate for building confidence. As soon as you wreck a horse's confidence, it's really hard to get it back. Um, with, with a young horse, I really try and engage their curiosity um, and make a lot of um, their training program their idea. So I like to place a lot of onus on them um, to make decisions. And, and that continues on through my training program. But I, I want the horse to be able to make decisions. I want them to think. And, you know, if they make the wrong choice, that's okay. I'm there to help guide them back. But um, they are thinking um animals and i i don't ever want to take that away from them so when you talk about confidence what exactly what do you what exactly do you mean by that and how how do you make it happen um i don't know i mean that's an excellent question i'm just trying to think i don't know if i make it happen but i allow the horse to grow into their own confidence it's not something i want to make happen um because they either kind of have it or they don't i just want to help build it up and help them find it um i have a good example um with a young horse there's really pivotal points in their life where if those experiences are are not positive you really set yourself back or you're you know I don't want to say wrecking, but you're, you're doing a really big disservice to your horse. Um, and this is another thing when you were talking about people doing things wrong. Um, 
you know, take your Colts first ride on the round pen. Let's take this for example. And, you know, to them, it should be exciting. And it's this big, badass experience into this world that they start to live in. And a lot of people, if, you know, the, the horse jumps at something, they jump and they scared and they pull on the reins. And that instantly patterns them into being scared because their reaction created a reaction out of you. And then they think I should be scared. And then all of a sudden you're creating a horse that is going to be scared at things. So um, I see a lot of that with people because I do a lot of obstacle work and people get frightful when they have to cross a bridge or carry something on their horse. Um, And it happens so quick that that rider gets scared and that horse, like um, Wacy, you were saying, they're so sensitive. They know. And then they're like, I should be scared. I should be scared of this. And then that rider, you know, it just, it's like pouring gasoline on fire. And as soon as that happens, it really snowballs because that rider doesn't gain confidence out of thin air. And that horse is just in that same snowball effect. It, it, it gets pretty bad pretty quick. So, so when somebody is scared like that, not so just the other day, uh, um, I don't know if it was, um, like Tess with cold garden or if it was somebody else, I'm forgetting now, but they said they were just frightened of horses and it was because somebody they knew got kicked by a horse and, and got hurt like reasonably bad. But the person that got kicked said, Oh, it was, it was my fault. Cause I was telling them, I was like, you don't, I don't think you need to be scared of a horse or horses in general. If we, as like, anyone, if we're in the right place with a horse and not behind them where they can kick us, or if they, if we do go behind a horse, like I was always taught, you know, saddle horse from the, from the horse's left side. And like, I don't know, like I was hold the reins in your left hand. Uh, this is stuff my dad taught me, right? Cause he grew up riding, like he grew up like a little sidebar. Dad was born in 1943 and he was like nine or 10 years old and got stuck in a snowstorm in Southeast Saskatchewan. They used to have their cattle graze in North Dakota. They would go down like he was way Southeast Saskatchewan, Cardiff, Carryville area. Um, and they would, the cattle would get down to the, the river down in North Dakota and they'd have to go gather him back up. But he got stuck in a snowstorm one time with him and his horse. And they walked around in circles in this little bluff to keep warm and keep alive for the night. And somehow he made it through the night and got back home the next day. And he was like eight or nine years old, like really, really young. Right. So dad rode along to like a lot when he was a kid and that was, you know, they had to ride, take the wagon to town to get groceries. This was like in the late forties, early fifties, right? Like no power at the house. I don't think like heat the, heat the house with a wood stove, like all this stuff, right? Like really super, you know, stuff we can't even comprehend now, hardly. But my point being, uh, as long as we're in the right place and if we're going to walk behind a horse, we're going to walk close behind the horse. Cause so then they can't kick you at full length either. You know, they might move you a little bit, but like, let them know you're there. Calm, peaceful. Like, don't be a jackass. Don't make any sudden movements. But like the thing, like if there's, and like you guys just said, if we're, if we're, if the, if we're scared, the horse is going to feel that too. And they're going to be more likely to be doing something. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to tell this person, I was like, Hey, like, I don't think you need to be scared of a horse but I didn't know how to like really explain that to them. And you can't really just say, don't be scared, but like what, what's the solution for someone that is scared? Like how, 
when you when you're in that position as a, as a trainer, do you have to try and help them get over that, or are you doing a few things and saying like these are a couple little little things people might not even like a lot of folks still wouldn't even know these couple things that we just talked about, right? But t- tell me what that looks like. I find there's two things that cause um, fear. And one is usually a, a traumatic traumatic event that has happened to them, like you were talking about. So they've got bucked off. Uh, I find I hear a lot of people talk about r- like runaways, their horse ran away on them. Um, that seems like so tough. Yeah. If you train your horse right, they're not going to run away on you, right? Or, you, or it's fun. Right, Wes? Well, like, is you, have you had a horse run off? Like, it's I've had a few run away on me in the day. It's just, right, you just, just eventually they get tired. Gather, you just hang on, hope they don't just gotta go for a hole. Just let it happen. Right? Yeah. Just let them tire I've, them out. <laughs> I've had that happen to me. I wasn't very old and I was out with dad and we were checking cows and I was riding a young a colt. I should not have been at that stage, but dad's like, oh, it's good. You know, and what age we were, were you? on a. Classic oh, ranch no. dad. You're fat. <laughs> and what, what? How old were you? Like, what age? Like, under ten or something, or what? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I rode a lot of colts. They bought me a lot of colts um, growing up. So you learn training um, honestly. <laughs> but I'll tell you what. I think that's what has given me so much of my my tricks and my knowledge. Not tricks, but just my my whole Experience. knowledge base been there Experience. done that thank you yeah and it it came from tough horses and those are the ones that aren't fun but you learn a lot um and then you get smarter and you learn how to pick them better and and but yeah i i rode some colts that were not easy as a kid and like every horse that i went and rodeoed on as a kid and showed i i made um which i don't i wouldn't trade that for the world Okay, but going there's, back, there's, to, there's, going, there's something about growing up with a horse. It's cool. Well, it's a whole different world in California. We'll take California for example, and honestly, a lot of the the experience these trainers have start at the mounting block. Like behind me, there's a great big barn that's the most beautiful thing you can imagine with chandeliers out of churches from downtown LA, and um there's grooms, a full team of grooms and, and these horses are tacked and groomed fully. And they literally, these people get on them, do their thing and get off of them and hand them off. They don't feed them. They don't brush them. They don't, they don't load them in the trailer. If they go anywhere, they have somebody else do it. Like, um, and I'm so thankful for my background and being in the trenches and, and knowing how to do all of that and, and not only do it, but with, a horse that's really difficult and <laughs> so yeah it's not been easy but i wouldn't trade it it's taught me so much so what is this place you're at and and what's going on tell us tell us about it a bit um it's a really amazing facility it's between los angeles and malibu and it's called el campion farms um to there's been a handful of jumper trainers here it's mostly a jumper place um they um, won gold in Korea. Will Simpson was the jumper's name. So they sent Will to the Olympics. Um, and Will was here last year. He just bought a place, his own place in Florida. So, I mean, you got to ride with a gold medal show jumper every day. And yeah, there's uh, one, two, 
three arenas. The main jump arena is probably upwards of three acres big, and it's all like irrigated underneath, and it's it's really neat. It's a cool place. Um, Jamie Fox is the neighbor. Tom Stellick is next door. Kayla Cooper is across the street. Holy shit! Tom the stash, the man. Yeah. No way. I know. Could we down under? Really? I know. His cool. his daughter boards here. And uh, it's literally been my goal to meet Tom Selleck. Um, yeah. There's other jokes around that that I probably shouldn't. and see if he's single and needs a needs a. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! Could you imagine getting shacked up with Tom Selleck? That'd be amazing. It has yeah, something crazy. to do with a mustache. I'll just say that. Oh yeah. Hey, it's cowboy <laughs> shit. It's cowboy shit. You can t- you can talk about that if you want. <laughs> How, I want oh, to ask how, how how good are your show jumping skills? Because if, um, if Tom's gonna be if Tom's gonna be hanging around the show jumping bar, you gotta show off your show jumping skills. Be like, okay, I can work with this. Well, last year <laughs> the other um, jumper trainer here we're the same age and she's wonderful, so we kind of trade horses every once in a while. Last year I I jumped a, a bunch and she's like, oh, you're kind of good at this. I'm like, well, I. Just point shoot and hang on but it's, it's, really, <laughs> it's really fun i enjoyed it um of course i don't know how tall we were jumping like kind of my mid thigh and i'm like let's go bigger like i want to jump something huge not for the rest of my life but just, just one, one time. time yeah like, do like do like the six bar at Spruce Meadows would be That's sick like my time. favorite thing. I love it. It's so awesome. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's Spruce Meadows is such a cool place to go hang out. I love I I rode jumpers for two winters back in the day. It was I fucking didn't know awesome. That. It was so sweet. Yeah, I did a I did a jumping lesson and a flat lesson every week when I was when I was around. And where was that? In Just in Saskatoon. Saskia? I can't remember. I can't Saskia. no, it was in Saskatoon. I can't remember the name of the barn. I have to ask my mom. But it was good. Cause I was I went to Gary LaFue's place for a week. And he told us a story how his mom wouldn't let him ride bulls if he didn't ride jumpers. And I told my uh, naturally I told my mom that. And then she's like, "Oh, <laughs> she signed me up and showed jumping or jumping lessons like the fucking next day." So I had I had no choice. But it was taught fun. you was, how to taught you how to ride though. I bet the mechanics are like all, like for bull riding. Yeah. The mechanics are exactly the same. It was fu- it was so funny because like I did a couple and I was like like picked it up pretty quickly and I was in this like group of like it was like me I was like twenty at the time and there was like this like 13, 14, 15 year old girls who've been riding these jumping like lesson horses for years and i like i picked it up like right away and i was going through the pattern whatever and the one time the lady who's doing lesson stop was like see that's what you guys need to do like just do it like way see and all these girls are just mad at me the whole time it was funny but it was it was like it was so hel- it was really helpful to like even like just riding like saddle horses like western style and riding bulls it was like so like one of the most valuable like crotch training things i ever did yeah well that's what i always i mean that's equitation way I'm an, equi- I'm an, equi- I'm an equator. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I mean, the best thing you can do, I don't care if you're a team rubber or a bow racer, or a cow horse or rainer, I don't care. You have to learn how to understand your horse and ride and your mechanics. And, and, you know, let's take team ropers, for example. I love team roping. Uh oh. <laughs> here we go. But I, I go to a, a jackpot and I'm like, oh man. Ooh. Some of these guys need to learn how to ride, you know? And if you learn how to ride and handle your horse better, guess what that does for your roping? You're way better. You're probably better uh, at roping because you know how to ride a fucking horse. What? Exactly. <laughs> 
Mm. And and there's no better way to learn than on someone's like shitty lesson horse pony thing. That's how that's that's how you test your true metal of equitation. Well, um, that's another thing I'm I I'm decent at is like I can crawl on anything and kind of figure it out and and get the best out of it right away, you know. So I'm I've been lucky. I've jumped on lots of head horses and I've catch rode. Like I flew down from Canada and showed a horse that I rode once in this big show. And, and that's, um, I'm going to use the word exciting to me, but it's just kind of like figuring this out on the fly and making it work and, and riding lots of different horses. And kind of that's the thrill of it all, hey? Yep. Makes it sweet. Uh, I had a question I want to ask. Um, Is it about Tom Selleck? No, it's back to the back to like the keyboard warrior <laughs> stuff. We you see a lot of like couch jockeys during the NFR like ragging on like the barrel racer uh, girls and stuff. And even so, I work for the CFR and I do the social media. And I posted a video of Taylor Manning winning around, and the video like went viral on Facebook, but it was mostly people just like bashing the way like Taylor rides. Like it's sure, yeah. it, was, it was fucking crazy. But like what like I want to hear your two cents on all of the whole like couch jockey thing and the way the different girls like handle their barrel horses and stuff do you do you watch the nfr and they're like these guys like can't ride you're like do some of them can they ride like what's i want to get i want to hear from you it looks like it looks like she's thinking they can't ride (laughs) well and even Um, you go even go back to the whole like um elastic band gate from texas when the when uh emily (laughs) blazel like yeah when she had like the elastics around her hands like she got grilled for that yeah you don't um, have to name any names, but I just want to hear like your kind of your two cents on it. Wait, he already named the names for you. It's okay. yeah, yeah, I don't need to name anyone. <laughs> yeah, you throw me a, under the bus if you need to. There's a couple barrel racers that have been in the industry a long time that I really respect their horsemanship and their riding. Um, Lisa Lockhart, Sherry Servi. You got it. <laughs> oh, Teddy. <laughs> but I mean, to me, I mean, Ted, you see that. It's it, A, they've been around a long time, but but they ride calm and they ride like they ride yeah. well. Like it's it. I mean, I don't know a lot, but I know enough to know that they ride well and they yeah. ride <laughs> proper. Yeah, but I mean that that speaks volumes that you can pick them out. I mean, nothing against you, Ted, or anything, but you <laughs> nailed it. Met with full offense. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say? It's met with full offense. <laughs> yeah, you can say it. You don't have to say it with all due respect. You can just say it. Uh, um so i actually to be honest with you don't like to watch brow racing so yeah (laughs) um i used to run barrels a lot i i grew up racing (laughs) yeah my mom made me (laughs) no i liked it growing up i i was a barrel racing fool but um the women i got tired of all the women and i went team roping and it was much happier going mm. to rope than deal with a jackpot they, of barrel racers or they just sit there and drink beer it's awesome yeah i've i've had a ton of fun team roping so <laughs> um so yeah as, as far as barrel racing goes um i don't agree with a lot of their equipment especially bits and, and elastic bands i wouldn't let any of the kids i taught a lot of rodeo kids and i i would never let them use elastic bands for anything Why? um well my thought is you gotta learn how to ride and they went through 
years of high school rodeo and stuff and never needed it because they learn how to do it. But if you start using them right out of the gate, then you learn to depend on that. I'm very, very much um, a minimalist when it comes to horses and and training. You know, I I don't believe in gimmicks. Um, Mm -hmm. I have a a certain number of bits. Like a lot of people, bits are so confusing to people. They don't understand how they work. Um, and you go into take Irvine's for example, and how many bits are on the wall at Irvine's? Scary. I don't go there anymore. 400. Oh, but even, but even oh, most, but even most tax places though, you go like the, the bits on the wall, it's fucking ridiculous. Yeah. And, and I hear this a lot. Um, you know, like, oh, my horse isn't stopping. I need a new bit. Learn well, how to ride your that- fucking horse. No, totally. Sally, you need to ride better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it, it's true, though, but that's the, the the marketing behind all these gimmicks and all this stuff that the companies pump into our news feeds every day that you need you need this to be that and, you know, whatever. And I just have never jumped on that bandwagon and, and bits are one of them and I find barrel racers to be one of the worst groups for, for bits and stuff. And I, I, I just don't agree with how they work. So. So if you're a minimalist uh, or what, what, what uh, bits are you using? Yeah. Sorry. I was going on a good question, Ted. Um, I have a selection of snapples. Um, obviously if you're going to try and fix or anything or get back to the root of problems, I go back to a snaffle bit. Um, I have, I have probably, I'm trying to think of what I have here, which is pretty much my whole tack room, but I probably have like 14 bridles hanging in there and snaffles. And then I have, I really like a, a like a short shank, um, a little correction bit. And then I have Billy Allen mouthpieces and Billy Allen mouthpieces. What they do is they, they hinge in the middle and they work like this. They don't break. So what happens is when you, you pull on one side, you get the whole um, side of your horse, which really horses really understand them. And so I like to go from the snaffle to a, a short shank for a bit. Cause what happens when you add too much shank right away, you really cause the horse to get behind the vertical and they get over collected and balled up. And I find that happens a lot because people always want to hold on their horse and like hold on the reins. The horse never gets relief from that pressure. And they just get drove further and further behind the vertical. And then and it's not their fault. They just don't understand what's happening. And they're just trying to get away from the pressure they feel. So, yeah, I just go through snaffle bits to a couple short shanks. And I, they're probably in a short shank, you know, three to six months, depending on the horse or whatever. Um, and then my favorite bit for um team roping and if i want to shank that as a uh, hinge port so it's a billy allen but it's just got a port in the middle and it it swivels like this so it gives lots of nice shoulder control horses really like them so really for all the types of horses i ride different ages and different disciplines i don't have much for bits and and such so but if if you are clear and concise with your communication it's really not about the bit it's about the the lessons and the the relationship with the pressure and release so i got another I have one, a, 
Okay, you go ahead. Then I, I then I have a controversial theory we need to go over. Okay, okay. Go, okay. We didn't really call it any barrel racers either for riding bad. Oh, that's what I'm about to do. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm not okay, riding. Good. Well, actually, it might be. Yeah. <laughs> I might get roasted for this next series, but we'll we'll get to it. Okay, bits. Explain to me some some bit stuff for those of us because there's some listeners on the show that might not know everything about what we're talking about. Um, I I did a buckle the other day for Randy McCook for uh, the Canadian Snapple bit for charity. So Clayton Hines passed away this past summer. He was a big influence mentor on for me in the rodeo world. He was the guy that told me about starch jeans and ironing my shirts when I was a kid <laughs> going to the high school rodeos. Clayton's the reason why I currently still wear starch jeans and look, try to look presentable more often than not. But, but uh, I heard that Clayton was, uh, he was dying this summer, this year, this past year. And uh, I went up to see him one day in Drayton and uh, at the hospital there, his dad was in the hospital at the same time too. But, uh, but I guess it was the last time I was going to see him. Uh, as far as I was, you know, how things were, how things were progressing for him. He wasn't eating. He was in bad shape. Uh, he had a bad bit of cancer. And, um, but when he, when he was dying or like when I saw him there, he said, Hey, Ted, you know, you've got a couple things on the go between the boots and whatnot. And the, and I, you got to sponsor something for me when I, when I pass away, I want to have something, you got to help, help something out. So I got a call from, I think Amber and, uh, and Randy, afterwards and they said hey this is the thing we're doing for clayton it's this memorial piece so so we got this buckle made up uh and, it, and i think shane smith and uh his horse uh tough enough or strong enough i think they won this fence mm-hmm. uh challenge at the snaffle bit for journey so just tell me more about what this is I don't, I don't even know what it is i need to know some more about what this event is and, and tell me about the snaffle bits and what's going on because i i don't even know but i just told well, clayton i'd do it you just opened up a great line of stuff to talk about um so shane smith um i used i've roped with shane a lot through the years and he's red cowers as now he rides tough enough who's owned by merrill's and merrill's are in cardston and merrill's are who provided the colts every year for the heart of the horse colt starting competition oh that's nikki's event in brooks now yeah which i did i was the first well and only female to do it um year before last and now i'm judging that event oh awesome yeah, Not second year this year. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> um, I, my favorite part is sitting up there with Mel Highland, though. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Oh boy, it was uh, no fun at all. Tell you that much. But um, so what you're talking about is the cow horse world. Um, I love cow horses and everything around cow horses. Um, so they snaffle bit first. Um, and then they'll do a hackamore year and then they go into two rain and then they go into the bridle. And that's pretty much the progression I like to follow with my horses as well. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a great way to de- develop horses and, and make really trained, trained horses. So, so for my friends that don't know, tell, tell us the difference between the snaffle bit and the, and the hackamore and the. Two reins and bridle. Uh, four different things you said there. What are, what so, are the basics? A snaffle bit is um, two rings with... <laughs> this is hard to explain. It's kind of like <laughs> a rings. chain in the middle, right? Essentially? Uh, no, it's two bars with like a, a ring. In the um, middle. Hinge, hinge, would you call it? Yeah. 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 So that's a snaffle bit. It's, it's kind of your most basic bit. Uh, that's what I used to start Colts in. Some guys will ride them in a halter. 
I, I mean, I will, but my way of thinking is that I'm going to ride them in a bit anyways. So I might as well be prepping them to pack a bit and understand what it means. And I find it keeps me out of trouble more than being in a halter. Um, so yeah, your snaffle bit's kind of your, out your of trouble basic how? bit. Out of, oh, like you, horse... can, you can yank on them and they'll stop. Essentially, yeah. If a okay. horse wants to to do things you don't want them to do, you have a little bit more of a um, chance of controlling them than if you're just in a halter in there. Okay. Um, so the snaffle bit, and then they um, a hackamore, and it's basically just a braided rawhide nose band with a knot underneath the chin. So it really works off of pressure off the side of their the bridge of their nose because there's there's nothing in their mouth. And then a two-rein is a, a bozolita, which is a smaller nose band with whatever kind of shank bit you want to put in them, like whether it's a, a spade or um, something different. But the idea is, is that you're still using the pressure on the nose to start allowing to feel the pressure in the bridle reins, which is um, the bit in their mouth. And then you shed the bozolita and then you're just with your bridle with your bridal horse yeah okay mm. cool this is this is good stuff i like i mean i'm I'm learning lots too because i like i don't know i don't know it i can see ted that you're gonna have to come out and uh come branding <laughs> learn, this learn some shit yeah yeah branding <laughs> yeah. well i want i want to take ted to ride a cutting horse oh I think, yeah i think it'd be neat it's so fun. I did it a few times and we were like works in Buffalo and it was like one of the most, cause I've only done it a few times, but that was like one of the fun, most fun things I've done. It was it, unbelievable how much fun it is riding those horses. To me, when a horse cows up like that, oh. there is no better, no better feeling in the world. Um, you don't have to ride them. They just like sit there and they just. It's just dirty instinct, which is yeah, what it's I super love. Cool. Yeah. You love it, Ted. It's like any, it's better than any ride at Calgary Stampede hands down <laughs> <laughs> um better than my golf cart ted the golf cart is pretty sweet pretty sweet ride. The ghetto cart. <laughs> uh wacy the uh my controversial my controversial let's theory some, let's stir some shit up oh. i'm gonna stir it okay it's okay so waste this I mean, is I may, stirring shit up by the way yeah yeah this is on me so i don't know i may be out to lunch here so back to like the whole barrel racer thing and like how most barrel <laughs> racers aren't great riders all this kind of thing so my theory is is there's a lot of barrel racers have a lot of turnover with horses. Like they, it's almost like barrel horses are like, like kind of uh, what's the word? Like they're Dis- easily disposable. Dis- disposable. Yeah. They're really disposable. So I think that like, so for a lot of barrel racers, they don't ride and train their own horses. Do you think that has an effect on like the quality, like why they have so many issues with horses? Like they're not spending the time, like building them up from the ground up. They're just being like, Oh, fucking, I bought this one D like, red horse or whatever and it's like he sucks but it really and truly the horse may not suck it just be the rider who sucks yeah i don't think that's controversial at all it's not okay to, cool i thought it was being controversial to, to some me, barrel racers gonna hear this time we get roasted <laughs> to me that's <laughs> kind of factual from what i see of the industry um and it's not the only one that treats the horse as kind of a disposable commodity kind of deal it's um are you talking about um, calf ropers now <laughs> team ropers too they all are <laughs> it's it's getting to be a real thing though it, it, it is that it's like wow this horse doesn't really isn't doing what i really need it to do so let's just buy another one um instead of learning how to understand it and help it or 
train one or but yeah it's it's people who buy horses and just ride them but don't learn Mm -hmm. and eventually that's gonna run out right if you if you're not able to help your horse continue with their education and stay in tip-top shape and and exercise their mind properly you know they're gonna blow up they're gonna be done and what do they do they just go and buy another one i'll never forget i went to a team rope and jackpot just outside of high river and there was a young girl there who i've known a long time and i i just bought a pretty flashy palomino mare off of doug wilkinson and she was just three and i just hauled her to the jackpot i had my other horse there and i just rode her around and this kid came over and said that's a nice horse and she's had some really nice horses um her parents spend the money and and i said well thanks and she said was she for sale and i said "Mm, not yet no and she said oh well if i did buy her i I want you to train her because i don't train horses i just you know i don't I just want to train horse and I'm just going to go and do my thing, you know, but it just, to me, it hit me like a stack of bricks. I was like, Oh man, how could you not want to try and learn how to make a horse to come do what you want it to do in certain events. And yeah, but there's a lot of people that aren't trainers and they don't have to be, but you need to have a support system of a trainer somebody who can ride your horse and put them back together and help them out. And that goes back to your question, Ted, earlier about, you know, what are people doing wrong and, more people need a, a coach or honestly a better coach <laughs> <laughs> and they need eyes on the ground and, and help. And that's one thing that the English world, I'm thankful that I live in both worlds, but the English world does really well is everyone has a coach. And I just, I don't understand why the Western world doesn't do it. It would save horses and kids would do better. I think, but. So do you think this is why there's so many D's at barrel racing jackpots? Um, <laughs> I remember when the D system came in. You guys just want to talk about barrel racing, don't you? <laughs> I stir the pot a little bit. I was barrel racing when the D system came in, and I thought it was the silliest thing in the world um, because I was always fairly competitive, and it just spread the money out down the line, and, yeah, you know, yeah. blah, blah, blah. But it's one of the best things that that sport ever did. And same with team ropers, numbering their, their team ropers because it, it just leveled the playing field and somebody who would never win a jackpot could come and be four seconds off the pack and buy the t-shirt on the way out and tell their buddy that they won the 4d or well, they get a you know, buckle nowadays. Most places yeah, it's crazy. They get a saddle. But look what it's done for the sport. It's yeah, only, yeah only pumped so much money and you know so i can i see its merit for sure and it works well if you have a young horse coming up you can go and compete and maybe chip in 1d 2d wherever and and make some more money so but it's done done really good things for the barrel racing the team roping even team penning they have a number system the team penning too it's really got more riders to come out so you think team penners are kind of weird mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> me too i'll die on that hill there much weirdos oh man yeah Jill, <laughs> you got a do you have a team penning story you need to tell us you have a team penning yeah. buckle 
I no, I never. I went. There was like a charity. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's actually kind of a yeah funny story. A charity um, breast cancer team penning because um, there's a lot of older women that do it, and there was some ladies in the circle that had passed and they were looking for riders and somebody had a penning horse and they're like, Oh, come on out and, you know, have some fun. It's for a good cause. <laughs> um, yeah. So I don't know if you know anything about team penning, but there's um, the pen and then there's the hole along the side of the fence. that's pretty small. Um, and I was in the hole and this woman rode right at me and t-boned my horse on my team and wiped my horse out and i i didn't i wasn't hurt nobody was hurt but i stood up and i still had my like my split rein in my hand and i was looking around and my horse got up and i was like well that ends my team penning days because that was my my own team but they're rammy as all hell it's great it's like no it's like i just i don't know it's not for me but it's wild they like they they do it at the cochran ranch rodeo as part of one of the events and it's just like balls to the wall like there's no slowing down like they'll run them through the end of like the pen and then be good it's actually i have one more team penning (laughs) story i went team penning with my dad at a memorial rodeo for a cousin of mine that died in a car accident and dad wanted to team pen and be a part of the rodeo and because he doesn't rope or anything at like team rope and um, he took so long to get into the herd and find the first cow that our time <laughs> was up before he even got one cow out of the herd oh, and i'm no. i'm back there and i'm yelling i'm like you gotta go a little faster <laughs> try not to be but, mean he was just having a great time. I mean, it didn't matter, but yeah, those are my two team penning stories. But I think team penners, wasting to go back to kind of the disposable topic, that's a, it really happens in team penning because most of the time I find that the clientele in, in team penning, they have quite a bit of cash and they're the business people who want to show up and kind of ride their horse. And, mm-hmm. and it doesn't, it doesn't really, you don't have to like have a rope in your hand or anything too crazy. Like it's like a kind of a low barrier to entry. Like if you have yeah. the cash for it, I guess. Yep. So I, I was gonna, I was gonna say uh, about your dad when he was like taking so long. It, it could have been your opportunity to yell at him if you were like if he's was he a yeller when you were growing up like moving cows. Never, never yeah. really. My dad yelled like crazy. No, no. Out of my dad, out of it, yelled at him for sure. My dad's really quiet and just he's a he's one of the salt of the earth dudes. Mm-hmm. He doesn't get ruffled and um, patient and yeah. So. Uh, Team penning was just not his forte. <laughs> move fast. <laughs> uh, earlier, you mentioned uh, picking them better, picking your prospects better. What does what does that entail now, and how are you picking them better? How do you know early? Because you probably don't have a lot of time sometimes. How do you know? Um, I like to. I've always kind of bred my own, to be honest with you. Um, I also like to prove the mares. Um, so anything I've bred, I've shown and had around and been around. And the the saying is a, a foal is 60% the mare, but I really think it's like 75% mare. Um, so I like to know my mares really well and then pick you know the best stallion that I can and then once you kind of get to know what you like and what works then I just stick with it um the horse industry is in a kind of a weird spot right now you know everybody's 
selling high dollar horses or they're not high dollar but they think they are and and uh everything everybody's breeding this and that and everybody's got a stallion and you know so i i just like to kind of build what i want to have and just ensure that i can keep myself in in good horses and and know what i have and sometimes you know you, you mess up you cross something or you buy something and it doesn't doesn't pan out so you just kind of get it going and find it a good home. I'm not a real good horse seller. Like I'm, I'm a matchmaker, so to speak. So I try and find them all good homes. And then you go back to the drawing board and try again. And the ones that are really nice, you keep around. And, but right now I'm trying to build a string of mares to hopefully start breeding a little bit more. So I've got one, two, four hopefuls and I think that's ab about enough for me so a little bit of color um, I like kind of big big bodied quarter horse types and yeah I'll show them and rope on them and do all sorts of stuff and then start breeding some more and see how that goes are you more partial to like riding mares or versus geldings or where are you at on that I actually really like mares, which has served me very well through the years because everyone was like, oh, I will never ride a mare, but I've had They're some the best. really, yeah. Oh, I love to hear you say that. My, yeah. mom, my, my mom like forced it on me. We'd always like, that's always kept mares around. They're some of the best horses I've ever rode in my life are mares. Yeah. They're yeah. awesome. I, I, I really like them. Um, but that being said, I mean, you can't be, beat a good gelding. No, a good horse true. is a good horse. Mm. So um, for resale purposes, people like geldings because they're still that... And I mean, they are easier in mm -hmm. the grand scheme of things. They're not cycling and, and other things, but um, it's just always kind of happened this way. It wasn't by choice, but I just always had mares growing up and I just learned to love them. And I really, I think I understand them too. And I, a lot of people don't know how to treat mares and you have to treat them a little bit differently to, to get a really good mare out the other side. Um, you need to be definitely an alpha type personality. Um, and once they kind of understand that, that alpha relationship, then usually there's a great understanding, but a lot of them are pretty, um, pretty cagey. And if they sense you're not that alpha, that they, they can be the alpha, then they will be for it's sure. game over. Yep. Do you get pretty attached to your horses you're riding? Like when you're going to sell them and stuff, like do you, like do you name them and stuff and, I'm actually horrible at naming horses. I'm <laughs> horrible at it. I have, there's six down here with me right now and half of them don't have names. I'm not kidding. Really? <laughs> Just horse, one horse, two horse, three. <laughs> <laughs> well, my, my yellow They're colors. Blondie. Hey. Yeah, Blondie, oh, yeah. Hey, Blondie, yeah. nice. Yes. Nice. <laughs> and you got a brown one? Buckskin? Uh, no bay. I have one bay mare. She's at home. I bred her to a really high-powered cut and stallion and got a really nice stud colt out of her last year. So she's in, in Canada. I have a Palomino mare, a buckskin mare here, a buckskin Lusitano, a black Lusitano. Um, I have a sorrel for the first time in like maybe my whole life. I've never owned a sorrel horse, but this is lineage that I really wanted and he's a really a really a cool horse so so yeah I've kind of got one of every color down here but but great I don't, get, I don't get do together with Billy Richards and get his his horse naming list and you guys can yeah. collaborate <laughs> I would love to see uh Jill Baron riding cheesy stains, stains. Cheesy stains. 
wait, I think I know that story. Oh, the cheesy stains one. Yeah, or if you don't know it, then I know a story about that. About cheesy stains. Well, we talked oh. about the cheesy stains on the podcast. Oh. That was that was when we talked about already. Well, maybe it's, it's been a on the show. Story. <laughs> I don't know. You want to tell us your cheesy stand story? Or what, what no, <laughs> that's a Billy Richard story. Ask Billy okay. Richard. Okay, we'll leave it. He's yeah, also. Got a, I, I liked his. What, what else did he have? He had one called uh, called Whip Whipping Post. That was a good. <laughs> that was a good horse name for bucking horse. There's some gnarly ones out there that are so good. Afternoon I, delight was hilarious too because they could one. play that song at the rodeo. That was <laughs> yeah. the one from the one from Anchorman. That was pretty awesome too so if you're at a show and you see jill's horses with wild ass names you have heard billy <laughs> you know what conference call. <laughs> yeah. um okay you also mentioned the lusitano uh horses you got you got two down there right now instead of black yep. and a buckskin buckskin yeah talk so about buckskin... those yeah talk about them a little bit and and what you've been doing you uh you were showing one in denver a while back and you did a show in uh pollockville last year hometown kind of show um did anybody find you any other music yet? I was trying to give you a hard time on the music. I told you that one wasn't wasn't going to work for four minutes. <laughs> um, no, I've been hooked on um, 300, Best Plug's song that he found for me. And it's worked. It's really worked. We actually added um, Despacito to it. Oh, really? Denver. When? Start or end? Or middle? Start. Yeah. See, it's that'd actually- be better. Because three hundred yeah, has no, it has, it just, uh, it just straight. It doesn't have any beginning, middle, or end. It just like it's just flat. Or the Despacito would be like tell a bit more of a story, yep. and then you go to the hardcore, like the, because that's the cell. But just what's that the, one the whole time, the three hundred, the violins thing. Yeah, the three hundred yeah. violin orchestra one. Oh. Just it's just like it's flat. There's no, if you're telling a story with the horse, like you have to have different pieces to the story. Where that one was, there was no variation. That was my yeah. only problem. Still yeah. a good song. It's got to do to the spirit soundtrack. The beloved 2000s cartoon with a horse. I don't even know that. What? I'm you don't know that one? It's all Brian it's Adams. Send it to Banger. you. It's bangers. I've never watched Spirit, which is ridiculous. It's, I remember my parents took us to see it in the theaters. It's actually pretty good. But I just bought a Lusitano Stallion that is literally a real life spirit. He looks just like him. Dang. So I saw that one for a million dollars. Name There you go. Name of Spirit. Spirit. He has a name. His he's oh. lucky because his registered name. He's from Portugal, so his hey. registered name. I'm keeping his name is Geronimo with a J. Oh, that's, that's sweet. That's yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, that works. It's, that's fine. It, that one's cool. So if they have like stuff like that on their papers, I'm really down with that. Um, but yeah, if they don't, then I have trouble naming them. But anyways, um, back to. Back on track here. The show, yeah. <laughs> um, so the Buckskin Lusitano I have, his name is Kasako, and he's the one that I had in Pollockville, Ted. And um, I've owned him since like 2000, and I think 16. I'm not really good with dates and years. I can't remember what I did yesterday, let alone two years ago. But um, a breeding farm in Texas shipped him to me in Canada to promote the Lusitano breed. Now, for anybody who doesn't know what the Lusitano breed is, it's um, a Portuguese breed, and that's the the horses they use to fight bulls. Whoa. Do you, do you guys remember the Merlin YouTube video that went around? I mean, it was Wacy. Do you know it? No, I don't know. I have to watch it. It's crazy. I don't know Merlin the bullfighting horse, Wacy. No, I've I've never seen what? it. I swear to God, I've never oh, seen I bet it. You've seen it. 
Jill's got it saved on her phone. She'll send it over. If I if I've seen it, I would remember that. That sounds crazy as hell. So you've seen it. I bet I've never seen. I've never seen it. I promise you guys. (laughs) So I watched this video when it was viral, however long ago that was, and I I was flabbergasted at the athleticism and the sheer friggin' beauty of this horse. He's a Palomino Lusitano, and I mean. I had never seen an, a horse move like that horse. Like they'll He's fighting run like a legit and, fighting a bull. Yeah, and that, like they run and they spin in front of the bull, and they like they deke and what the they, hell? Yeah, I can't believe you haven't seen this. <laughs> I've never seen this. This is crazy shit. Yeah. Weird. And I, I watched this video, and I was just like, I need to ride this horse, this breed of horse. Like I was literally blown away i don't get starstruck by many things but this horse was like unreal so fast forward i go down to texas to a a horse show and it's a lusitano breeding farm and i saw all these horses and i'm just like holy shit like i can tell these horses are for me so anyways i built a relationship with this breeding farm um and then they ended up shipping me a horse and this it was Kasako, this buckskin horse and he was supposed to be for sale but he's kind of a he's a like a lamborghini to ride he was a bullfighting horse in portugal before he came over to the united states and um he actually spent some time in mexico and they made him a dancing horse and i'm not sure if you know anything about dancing horses but it's usually pretty brutal on them and then he went to Texas and the, he just was pretty damaged and um, they weren't having much luck selling him. And, and their job in Texas was to like train horses, sell, train horses, sell. And he was tougher. So he came to me and I first wrote him and I was like, oh my God, like how am I going to get this horse put back together? But it took me a a couple of years like he'd never lived outside he'd lived in a stall his whole life so the first thing i did was kick him out let him be a horse and um kind of went back to basics went to ranching on him and he it like he had no idea what was going on which is what he needed and it just kind of all came together i started showing him so this working equitation which i i do a lot of which is basically just functional dressage and started building a relationship building trust and and then this whole flaming garrocha thing. So a garrocha is a big pole or a stick, as people call it. But um, the people who work stock in southern France and um, Portugal and Spain, they carry a garrocha to work cattle. So they, like, poke them. Like we would rope them. They use these sticks. It's actually quite cool to watch them use them. So the garrocha is part of the working equitation. You have to like spear a ring. And I did a performance for Nikki at Heart of the Horse. In her evening show, I had three broken ribs that were like two weeks old. And I didn't want to do the performance because I hadn't been riding my horse. That was when I was doing the colt starting and things were, I was sore and but I, I did it. I didn't have fire there. I just did it to, I don't even know what music. I think the sound guy picks the music. And people were like, oh, my God, that was really cool. And um, I was like, oh, thanks. I, I you know, and, and then somebody said, let's add fire. And I'm like, okay. 
and um, damn that's crazy yeah so now i ride this bullfighting horse around with a, a 13 foot pole lit on fire and we go inside a ring of fire and it, it's it's been really well received the places i go and it, it takes like i actually i ride my horse around the garrocha and then i turn him back underneath like all at canter so it's it's really hard maneuvers for a horse to do and, and that pole you know never moves and i move around it and turn him back underneath it and stuff like that and he he does piaf and passage and all sorts of fancy dressage moves so um yeah i kind of just did it my first outing was innisfil pro rodeo um and i just did it because i want to show people this horse and this breed of horse because they're freaking incredible and you know how many of my rodeo buddies that are there you know you, you came in at the time to vent and and all the team ropers are there and i'm thinking like oh boy they're gonna really think i've lost my mind <laughs> um good thing i didn't really care so uh, but i i went in and, and did it and they were just like holy like that was amazing and cool and and then everybody wants to know about the horse and the breed and and yeah so i just kind of did it to show people a, a new breed of horse and something different and I think it's important in, in your horsemanship journey and, and equitation um, to, you know, open your mind to different ways of riding, different breeds of horse and stuff like that. Because, I mean, I grew up in the rodeo world. That's what we're most familiar with. And it's all quarter horse, quarter horse, quarter horse. And mm-hmm. um, the Lusitano has taught me way more um, about riding than a quarter horse ever has. So yeah, that's where it all started. And now we got to, we got to do really cool things in Denver this year. Their second year in Denver and they do a, um, a show there that I got to ride in and it's neat. One of the coolest things is people come down after the show and um, the, my fire act closes the show and um, the, audience can come down and meet you at the end and the lineup of little kids that want to meet the fire horse and it was really neat in denver because i had a pyro guy and like he had e-matches on stuff so like stuff was exploding and like it was it was really cool yeah Yeah. do you get nervous doing those big shows i don't even think about it nope just just light her on fire and let her buck yeah Um, hopefully not hopefully not buck yeah. Well, the first time we lit this e-match and it was an explosion on this stick I'm carrying. I'm, I said to the pyro guy, I'm like, can we uh, like practice once? And he's like, oh, it's just a little puff and it's good. And here I am. Actually, I rode at a luncheon. It was called the Boots and Business. And there's 1,200 people in the arena. And there was a track around the outside of the arena. And I had to come out and we lit fire on this track with 1,200 people in the middle. Jesus. And that was the first time we lit this match off and it was like, and my horse was <laughs> checking up and I'm like, I could die out here in front of 1200 people, you know, it all went well, but yeah. But they say, Hey, if you're not in situations that make you uncomfortable, you're not growing. Right. So true. That's part of my, my growth. They, but, back to talking uh, about they again. They, yeah, they're smart. The they, they are they, smart. They know. 
You know, I want to, I want to ask like one of your worst buck offs you've had in your days of riding horses. You'd mentioned having two broken ribs <laughs> and all kinds. I'm sure you've had your run in with some nasty ones. Or, or, uh, what's the number do you, have you kept track? Like, do you have like a number of how many times? No. Um, I knew a question like this was coming. So I was trying <laughs> to think about it. Um, and I, uh, you never want to like, what do they say? Don't put your tongue on it. You don't, I don't want to talk about this because then it'll go happen tomorrow. I'll go get bucked off, but no I bad really, yeah, I really try and do my homework and, and be able to diffuse the situation before I get myself into trouble. But, um, oh shit, I got bucked off last spring. Well, it kind of <laughs> wasn't a buck off. <laughs> But we were, um, I had um, horses and electric fence. And yeah, we went out and it was like the first branding of the year. And we were gathering these cows in a lane. And a calf went to um, like turn back and run away. So usually you just rope them and then, um, you know, chase them in and keep the rope on them so they don't run away. And um, the rope kind of came across this horse that I was riding, like didn't, not in a dangerous way, but the calf went in front of her and she wasn't really paying attention. And it, it wasn't a, in a dangerous spot, but that rope hit her shoulder and she, she then looked and she immediately thought electric fence and she was sketched out by electric fence. She wouldn't go near it. So she just oh, <laughs> cut, no. cut into, but I never, like you would never think that this horse would ever do that. But I mean, Hey, they're living, breathing critters, but, um, and, she kind of started bucking and I, you know, I was like, what? And I was riding her through it and then it got bigger and bigger. And I'm like, Oh, I don't oh, think God. she's going to give up on this. So yeah, I, I didn't, I did make the, the conscious choice to check out, but I probably would have got bucked off eventually. So I don't know, but that's my <laughs> last buck off. Um, honestly, I've been pretty lucky and I've, I've really, um, tried to do my homework to make sure I don't get myself in wrecks. Cause I, like I said, I didn't want to be that, that crippled old horse mm-hmm. trainer. Um, I honestly haven't, I got a knock on wood. Yeah, you're going to do it. <laughs> yeah. I haven't been bucked off too many times. It's another reason why I really like the Lusitano is they don't buck. Typically they just don't buck. They're kind of like a warm blood. Um, they're easy to start and they, they don't want to buck. So I was, so, I was yeah. wondering about, I was kind of wondering about that though, about checking out. Cause like, sometimes you, like, I would think that in that situation, when the horse is bucking and you're running cat, like calves up an alleyway, there's a lot of danger close by. Like if you're out in the middle of nowhere, when you're younger and this horse is running away, like they're going to run <laughs> it out. And the worst, the worst chance is stepping into gopher hole or badger hole and throwing like getting in a wreck that way or tripping or something like that's yeah. that's a potential wreck but like when there's fucking like panels and fence and steel bars yeah. around you like that's when you gotta like pick a spot and get the fuck out of there yeah right like rather than get I, bucked off it's like i'm gonna i'm gonna bail here right now so i don't yeah. get in a jam and i mean i'm no hero i don't need to ride no, them for shit, no. two Nothing minutes prove and, nobody <laughs> yeah i don't i don't know i'm not a bucking horse rider i like to ride them when i don't buck so yeah um <laughs> I, I like to teach them not to buck <laughs> yeah that, and that's kind of another kind of cult starting deal there's a lot of you know young kind of and some of them are bronc riders but they Ranch like bronc riders these, yeah. those bastards <laughs> yeah. but they like when these colts buck and i'm like no you, 
you teach them to to not. I know. So, um, but I'm pretty good. I have this kind of weird sixth sense of being able to like slow things down with a horse really good, even when a wreck is, is happening. So I usually have my surroundings surveyed and uh, kind of try and pick my exit and you're putting the fire out before it even starts trying yeah well that's where you're like all your experience comes into play too like i think a lot of the guys who get in those situations are there's like probably a lot of inexperience involved and stuff like that too right well i'm actually going to back up i missed one thing we were talking about um um fear people's um fear around horses ted i think you were talking about it and i said there's two reasons and people are scared and it's a traumatic traumatic event and um the other one is lack of knowledge and and tools and skills if you don't know you're going to be scared but when you're in a you know countless number of situations and have had to try to think your way through them you just, just build on all these experiences so um just like you said Wace, it's um you can pull from all this experience and and kind of if you understand how the horse thinks that's number one so you can kind of help get yourself out of a tight spot there but you know when when people are scared my job is to try and bridge that gap and give them tools to understand their horse and I really find it's controlling their horse it might sound like so simple, but they, they don't feel like they have control. They don't understand how to stop it, back it up, turn it, you know? So, well, and it gets to a point too. A lot of people, when the fear kicks in, like they just like everything just goes out the window. Like, yeah. just like I'm not yeah. using my hands anymore. Yeah, exactly. I might get myself yep. in trouble, but I don't work for the stampede anymore. <laughs> the Calgary stampede anymore. How much lack of, Knowing how to ride a horse, do you see around the Calgary Stampede at times, or in the <laughs> in the parade, or shit like that? Like you could almost give like a lesson of everyone that's riding in the parade that rides yeah. once a year. Some best My first thought is like some former mayors that don't know yeah. shit and show up to ride in running shoes where they could get yeah. hung up and drug for three Didn't miles. Johnny or... Johnny Goudreau had like Gucci sneakers on or something when he Probably. rode. It was so funny. It was so Probably. funny. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you work for so, the Stampede, though, so you can't yeah. go there. I don't work there anymore, so I don't. I have less I don't on the know. line. <laughs> I, I, think I, <laughs> I can definitely talk about the parade. I think I okay. don't work okay. for the parade. I don't know, but I to me, the parade is the freaking most scariest place you can take. Yes. A oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. There's people everywhere. There's like imminent danger yeah. everywhere there. It's the danger zone. I've been in like I I train the Calgary Stampede show rider, so I'm the horsemanship coach for them so i've been in a lot of parades with this team and uh, any number of horses on the team anywhere from like 12 to 16 um and i have watched a lot of stuff in parades and honestly i find this the parade the scariest freaking place um and that group of riders you're talking about ted they're always <laughs> behind my group in the in the parade and I do not know, and that's where, you know, they say ignorance is bliss. That's what gets that group through that parade. I I honestly worry so much about them. Um, yeah, it, it, it scares me. I will be very honest. Huh. Well, but so, how much would that, how much would that help? Like, I'm just thinking about, uh, I'm just thinking about uh, 
Well, like for one example, my friend Will Osler, he'll be the president of the Stampede this, I think this year, next year. And, and he gets to ride a couple times a year, but he goes and like actually goes out and practices and, and makes an effort to like go to Sean Monroe's place and get on a couple times and get familiar and just kind of brush up on things. Cause he knows he has to go do this and he doesn't want to show up and be someone that doesn't know what's going on or doesn't know how to control a horse. And like yep. for someone that goes and does this, like it's kind of important like, I think I would want to go and ride a few times before I went and would do something like that. Cause I wouldn't want to hurt anyone. Cause I would feel like I'd be a bit of a liability going yeah. and riding in front of a couple hundred thousand people on a Friday morning in Calgary. Right. Like, yeah, know your well, shit. I used to get a, a handful of directors that would come out and ride with me before. Oh, just like you're okay. talking about, yeah. That, yeah. They don't good. anymore, oh. but I don't do the, don't really offer that or that's not a thing. I don't know. Um... Okay. Huh. Can you get us um, into the parade? <laughs> she not doesn't work for the parade. Um, the parade. yeah, you can come with me. Hell yeah! <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that parade. Wait, he's the stuff. king, king shit shoveler. It's gonna be in Ted post dressed up as a show as the show riders. <laughs> it's imposters. Feel like teach people to figure us oh, out. Man. We have no, a I... boy show rider last couple years. So nice. You bet. Just so can Wacy and I join the show riders? It'd be funny. It'd be a good. It'd be some good content for us to do it, like a show rider session with with Jill. See how it goes. <laughs> it would be, It'd be awesome. It'd be Get us hilarious. all dressed up in the outfits, <laughs> black hat, Here the flags, around. all the red, like the white and red shirts and everything. I'll bring you some horses. Sounds oh fun. That could be. Oh, yeah. That I'm could be kind of that. kind of awesome, actually, couldn't it? It'd be so funny because you could you could make it educational and we could have some fun with it because we're a couple of idiots. So it's true. <laughs> Sounds like a you, date. I don't know if they'll let me on park. I guess we'll see. I have to do it off the off offsite. The offsite. I'll pick you up in the the ghetto golf cart too. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to. I like the. So you you haven't seen like well we've got lucky probably a few times but there's like there is a group of folks that that don't get to ride a ton that that ride at the at the parade kind of thing like that's that's part of the deal and it's pretty cool to have that piece like I think that'd be a highlight for a lot of folks like like you said waste the flames and like. Some of these people like get Kevin to, Costner get to, last year was really cool. Like, yeah, like it's, it's a really cool part. And it's a really authentic piece of the, of the stampede. That's, you know, I don't think that really happens very many other places. Maybe it doesn't anywhere. I don't know. this. Not, not very often, but my way of thinking is what's wrong with putting them in a wagon, a really cool wagon. Oh, Every, everybody's, coach. everybody's safe. Um, no, cause we're fucking cowboys and we want to ride. I horses. know. Right? We're from Calgary. We do cowboy <laughs> shit. Fucking ride horses <laughs> in front of people. That's cool. Yeah. People get to be cowboys for the day. They get to do cowboy shit for one day a year. Hey, cowboys rode in wagons back in the day too, Ted. Well, that's true. This is true. This is a good point. <laughs> but the real cowboys rode the horses and rope shit. Depends. What happens going... It's usually not during the parade where the mess starts to happen. It's heading back to the barns. Everybody knows they're going back. The show riders are number two entry. So it's the show band, the show riders, and then usually the parade marshal, and then the directors are right behind them and the flames or, you know, whoever else. Yeah. And as long, what I found about parades, like I've been more parades than I actually care to think about, but cool side note is I've been in the Rose Bowl parade in California down here too. Yeah, it's so sick. It was cool. Very cool. Mm-hmm. But anyways, if a parade is a stop and start type of parade, it's a mess because horses don't want to stand there. So if there's this nice kind of 
pace and everybody's picking their way along, it's usually okay. But what happens is the lineup, because we have to line up before it starts. So it's standing there. That's a, a mess. Um, I know Bailey Milan and I, this year, there was one horse that was not having it. And I'm like, do you have an extra Bailey? Cause just switch this horse out, you know, cause they just, some of them can't do it. And um, anyways, on the way back and, and my kids are pretty well trained. So they, we're doing our thing going back and these directors ride up behind us and swarm us. And cause they can't stop these horses and they start like riding between us. And like, it's, it's dangerous. And I've, and oh you boy. can tell they're they're scared because they know this horse you has got a smell the fear on them. <laughs> yeah. well, I don't, but I don't think I don't think our mare our mare is much of a horsewoman, as far as far as I can tell. Like probably just gets to ride like once a year. But it, people just like yeah, here this one comes from John Scott. It's in the movies. It's probably fine. Yeah. Which is, I don't know, maybe it's fine. I'm not sure. This it's this tough. seems kind of wild. It's, but it's also really cool that they get to ride. Like I I think that's cool, cool too. I'd like to be able to ride more, but I. I can't, I haven't taken the time to spend, to spend on it lately. And I can't afford it. It's expensive too, which is, it's out of reach for a lot of folks. If they don't want to live that lifestyle, probably at this point either. either. And it's getting worse. For sure. The price of horses and, and the cost of hay and diesel and vehicles. Yeah. And it's, it's pretty crazy right now. At this point, if I had a horse, I'd probably have to board it. And. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're allowed. You're allowed. People are allowed. I I, I should rescind that statement. That was mean. I meant I meant it in the way of like like the people who drive the Range Rovers down to the barn. Uh, that's kind of what I. That's what I had. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Shit. Those kind of people. Oh, but God. those are the kind of people that can afford horses and mm-hmm. To, mm-hmm. can afford to board them. So it's mm-hmm. yeah, it's a funny industry. I'll tell you. Mm. Dang, it's different sorts ah. of folks. What uh, I'm gonna go one thing, Cape okay, uh, Geronimo. Yep. Uh, what's his short? What's he short? Is he Germ or something? Or what's his? What What do you call him? What's his short name? Jerry Geronimo. Ger- I haven't decided yet. I Jimmy, haven't met him don't yet. Know yet. Jimmy. He, he hasn't arrived in <laughs> Portugal, so don't know yet. Ah, uh, best horse name though. Best horse name besides uh besides what was the other one? You had a sweet one. Your other Lusitano. What's his name? Lazaro. Lazaro. There was another cool and one too. I forgot what. Casaco, that uh, that was a sweet name too. Casaco, yeah, a little yeah. bit of Spanish flair. But best best horse names you've had ever. What are they? Quick quick ones. <laughs> I told you that I'm horrible at naming horses, so I, I have really a couple you remember. Them. though. horse number three. Horse yeah, number th- <laughs> best horse name horse number three. <laughs> I just sold um, last year a really nice um, blaze face Palomino gelding with four big high white socks. Um, and I called him Queso, and that fit him Ooh, to it. Nice, yeah. that's, cool. that's a good one. Yeah, nice. okay, probably but, my best one. But don't that's you need banger. don't you need a name for a horse like can't, to tell him like good job, good job Queso, good job horse. You know, what do you what do you yeah what do you what do you what do you call him with another name? <laughs> good job Gray. So you don't have Gray. Girl, good job boy, good job girl. Oh okay, <laughs> yeah. just a neutral, just a gender neutral name. Okay, I get it. Funny story right. about that horse is the woman renamed him though, and his name is now oh, Rip. Boo. Rip. Oh, boo. She's about to watch Yellowstone. Oh, that man. sucks. If he's listening oh, to this, man. you are lame. What about what about funny people names for horses like Kevin? I had a horse named Bruce. <laughs> Bruce <Damn> it, Kevin. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Bruce. Bruce is a pretty good horse name. I used Bruce, to always Bruce Wayne. name. 
named my horses after the who I bought them from because I sucked at naming them. Oh, so really? it was, <laughs> yeah, for sure, yeah. That's sweet. Had lots. That's good strategy. I like that. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay, and then I want. I kind of wanted like I, I, we can't really get into that though. But I, I'm kind of like curious on. I, I but I can't ask it because it's it's not right. But I'm like I'm like wondering. I'm I'm wondering in my head. I'm like, like what what do people sell horses for? It's kind of like the buck and bull business. Like I've heard of people selling bulls for like a hundred grand. Like that's really cool. Somebody's holding for one hundred forty thousand or shit mm-hmm. like that. But I, I don't I don't really want to get into that. That's kind of like I feel like I'm stepping across the line. So I'm not going to go there. So Wacy, go ahead. Okay, well, I just want to jump into some horse expo stuff that's coming up here. Oh yeah, that's at right, the yeah. at the end of April, where <laughs> this show is sponsored by the horse expo. So, um, when what do you got going on there, and what can people expect from you, and when can they come see you at the horse expo? And what are you going to um, teach them? I we start at the expo Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and I have a clinic each day for ninety minutes on working equitation, which is um, it's a really cool discipline, and I mean that's a whole nother hour of podcasts to really get into all this stuff. Maybe we need a part two. Double you can do part two someday. Yeah. Um, so working equitation is basically um, dressage and then judged obstacles and obstacles at speed. So there's three different classes. So you have to be able to be really technical and then go fast. And it's points across all three for the champion. People love the obstacles. Like it's something fun for them to go and do. Is that like um, the cowboy up challenge thing at Stampede? Is that a similar thing? It's similar. This um, sport came from Europe. The first European championships were in 1996. So it's pretty new over here. Um, it's a pretty new sport in general, but um, there's like 19 set obstacles and you, you only see those ones everywhere in the world. Same measurements, same everything, which I find from a, a training standpoint and an instructional standpoint, it's awesome for people because they know what they're going to see when they go to a competition. The cowboy challenge stuff, I find it's, you know, um, so who can Pete, dream who, up. Whatever Pete yeah. dreams up at the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which, which is fine. If that's your, you know, your deal, then fill your boots. Um, but I really like this technical um, aspect of the working equitation as well. And the cool thing about it is it's any breed, any tack. So Even ponies and Shetlands? Yes. Anybody who owns a horse can come and take part in this discipline. Cool. What about Wacy and his hobby horse? You oh. bet. <laughs> stick stick horses? Stick horses only. Are allowed, yeah. Hell yeah. Um, so this is another reason why I kind of um, followed this route is it's literally anybody who owns a horse can come and take mm. part. And I, I think that's a very important. Um, it also uh, develops, but also demands if you want to do well, good riding. And I've used it as an avenue to teach horsemanship. I mean, I wouldn't teach anything different if I was going to teach a barrel racing clinic or um, a, a reining fundamentals or dressage. Um, it's all, it's all the same language that, horses speak so um i just chose this path with the working equitation to really try and teach horsemanship because it had the obstacles and it, it had such a wide array of of um dis or not this one's breeds that could come and there's also seven levels so level one is walk trot only which is a huge class <laughs> And then level seven is masters and it's all shown one handed and the obstacles are really tight together and it's all flying lead changes. And to me, the first time I saw it, I was like, that is the, 
the highest level of horsemanship you can you can do and i i want to push myself to to do that so that's how my journey came into that and that's where kasako the buckskin lusitano that i'm showing that's how we we met and he's helped me achieve that dream i'm canada's only masters rider and one of few in the states how would you so. teach me to be a master Start level one with your hobby horse, Teddy. We'll work you up to a real one and then oh, maybe level shit. two. Oh, yeah, man. exactly. You start at the bottom and you grind it out. And it's huh. uh that's one thing in this work and education, you can't fake it and you can't go buy the expensive horse. And if you can't ride, you, you, you can't do it. And that's what I really like is you have, have Not to every... learn and learn. Not everybody barrel racer can show up and do this. There's no 4D in equitation. Nope. <laughs> and I think <laughs> I think people watch it and they're like, "Oh, I can do that," you know. But people will come out and try it, and it's it's really quite hard to be that technical and accurate, and and that just boils down to to good training and good communication with your horse and good equitation. So Dang. it's really a great sport. It's it's taken off in Canada and the United States, and and um, I've met a lot of amazing people and it's taken me all over the world. Like I get to go to Portugal um, this November. I'll go back. It'll be my third time going to Portugal. And yeah. yeah. So that's what I'm teaching. And I have a 90 minute session each day. Uh, I think we'll have four riders in my clinic. So you'll, you'll get to see some obstacles. You'll learn from, I'm a judge for working equitation as well. So you'll learn judging tips and kind of how the sport works. And um, hopefully get to see some different breeds doing it, different tech, stuff like that. Um, I believe I'm going to do a lecture on it as well in the lecture hall at some point. Um, I'll have a booth there. So there'll be lots of opportunities to come and say hi and ask questions and hang out badass i like it um, it's fun that'll be awesome we're excited to check it out um another part of the horse expo is the trainer showdown so three trainer you've been part of these before um i want to know who's your pick to win out of the three um extreme wileen jason irwin and dustin sapola who do you put your money on to take home the title or... to me it's a no contest for dustin sapola that was my pick too I've watched, well, Sapola was in it when I was in it. So I competed against him. Um, so I watched him there and then I judged him last year at part of the horse. And I mean, he put on a, it was a clinic. Like there was honestly, he, he had a horse that suited him. I watched all the Colts go around. I'm like, Dustin's going to pick that horse. I, I know his type and, and the horse suited him to a T and, it was almost he made it look easy but you know a lot of people will say because i know people said that about me well you just you you picked an easy horse um when i did it but any horse in the wrong hands cannot be made easy you know and i actually bought the filly that i picked and she's in california with me right now and um getting to know her after that she was not easy so don't don't hate to play i hate the game yeah exactly <laughs> So, so you, anyways you mentioned uh you knew his types uh do the horses coincide with uh 
partners too, or is this different situations? Um. <laughs> oh my god. Oh boy. Just can I say, can, can I say no comment? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Okay. Kate, you got anything else, Waze? Yeah, I got the last Joe. Oh, this is the last I got another question. one too. I'm gonna take it back. Okay, this is your last question. That you're this then better be a good off. one. You're just done. Is, I have an eight supper and I gotta eat still. Oh yeah, sorry. No, uh, no. Okay, uh, a couple stampedes ago, Jill's like, "Hey, I got an idea. You gotta do cowgirl shit." So I gotta oh, say, yeah. Jill, thanks, great idea. And we did a couple Jill Baron cowgirl shit hats back in the day, and uh, we've got a whole bunch of different things now. So thank you for that great idea. We've been rocking oh, roll with that. Yeah, it wasn't a question either. Oh, it's a statement. It was a thank you. More of a thank you're you. welcome. I wear my hat, and people, when I first started wearing it, they're like, finally, we've been waiting for cowgirl <laughs> shit. So I was thinking, I'm like, I got to tell Ted that he's, or not tell, but mention it that he should think about it. So I yeah. think you use some residuals badass. from that now. Yeah, exactly. Or maybe even like a t shirt or something. Yeah, Ted. it's true. We owe you. I haven't even got anything. fixed up at the horse expo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's for sure we will. Gotta, I got to remember that now. Okay, sorry, but thanks, though, Jill. Good work. Oh, you're welcome. Good, good idea. Great idea. All right, okay, we're gonna wrap things up with the the hardest question of the podcast. Everybody uh, seems to think that way. What is your definition of cowboy shit or cowgirl shit, whichever you think? It's what I do every day. Damn right. <laughs> it's funny because everybody around here, they're like, "Oh, you're gonna go do some cowgirl shit." I'm like, "That's what I do every day." Right. Yeah. Um. And I'm pretty lucky to be able to do cowgirl shit every day. I couldn't imagine living life any different than I am. Um, people always says, oh, you know, you must be living your dream. And I'm like, I never thought this could be possible. I never dreamt of this, that horses have taken me around the world and I get to give clinics and help people. And um, But yeah, my definition of cowgirl shit is um, getting the work done, being gritty, um, not being afraid to figure things out and just work for things and, and hustle and, uh, you know, throw horses and cows and all sorts of fun stuff in the mix. But yeah. Horses, it, horses fighting, fighting bulls. Exactly. <laughs> we, I think the world needs more cowgirl and cowboy shit. Amen to that. We do too. Yeah. <laughs> we uh wait wait so i put the uh put the the Mer- merlin video in the group yeah i was i watched here. i watched i watched a bit of it while we were talking yeah. there that's and you've, crazy seen it, you've seen it before no i never first time really what i swear I to god i can't like, believe I'm not that lying. that's crazy I, if i had seen it i would have known okay all right and, and what did you think tra- my, my still, that's the craziest shit i've ever seen it's so it's wild how do you do that the horse that's, the, that's, yeah, that's cool just... it's remarkable that's that's the craziest thing i've ever seen a horse do in my life like oh, hands yeah. down and except for except for the the end the end, the final scene of Magic Sorry River, that's the craziest shit I've ever seen a horse do in my life. When he runs down the hill, down the hill, yeah, that's crazy shit. But so further along with the with the Lusitano uh, breed, is that your intention at the rodeos is to have a bullfighting horse or what? Mm, no, but the next alpha bring it to North America. Yes, yeah, <laughs> no, is that we're gonna see at Pollockville next time? <laughs> no, I. Uh... I want to start breeding them and hopefully kind of change the face of the Lusitano in North America. And uh, just, they're so cool. And I, I, I 
I kind of think and work like them and understand them and they're, they're incredible. So why not, why not ride what you want to ride and have the best time doing it? Well, thanks for doing this, Jill. We look forward to seeing it at the horse expo in Red Deer, April 28th ish. 29, 30th. <laughs> 28, 29, 30th. Is that right? Ways? 28, 28 to 30th, baby. Yeah. Check, come check it out. Right. Yeah. Come check it out. Uh, thanks for joining us. So enjoy the rest of your winter in uh, sunny California and uh, see you back home in the summer. Thanks a lot for doing this. See you soon. Thanks guys. Once again, you can, uh, you can find Jill anywhere you, uh, anywhere horses. You're... Yeah. Jillbaron.com. <laughs> check her out. That's, uh, two b's and baron b-a-r-r-o-n jillbaron.com uh, check her out and we'll see you all at the horse expo thanks for thanks for joining us thanks again to jill baron for joining us on the show this week um it was it was a great chat. We had a lot of, there's a lot of like technical stuff too that, that yeah. we kind of got into. And a lot, uh, lot of the horse people, the horse people who listen will appreciate some of the stuff that Jill had to say. I hope it was so. really interesting. Yeah. I hope so. And, yeah. and it's, yeah, I, I found it really, really interesting. Like I, I think that I learned some, a few things uh, having the chat with her. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was cool, cool to get your, the breakdown of like the snaffle bit for charity, how that works and stuff. Cause now you kind of know like sponsoring. Yeah. I don't know cool, what right? it is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah. I didn't know. I, and I couldn't be there. It was like, October when we were full on or yeah. we were busy. So I didn't know, but, uh, yeah, good. Uh, great show. Thanks to Jill for taking the time. Uh, look for her work at her website. Like we talked about and, uh, and at events this summer, be great to see her out there. Uh, what else waste we got? I saw uh, some pictures of the horse expo posted of her with her fire stick. That's crazy shit. I've never seen the actual like act before. So I'm yeah. looking forward to seeing that sometime Pretty down neat. the road. Yeah. Neat. Uh, okay. You got a couple more things you said. So Tyson, Curtis Cassidy and Tyson won just won another. Yeah, they won their story. they won the the AQHA Wrestling Horse of the Year again. Um, it says here that last year they won over uh seven hundred fifty thousand dollars in twenty twenty two on the back oh, of wow. Tyson. So and already up in twenty twenty three they've already after Fort Worth and San Antonio they've won uh like sixty five thousand on them already this year. So so is shout that out to AQ... friend of the show. Yeah, was on one of our. Uh shows in the hundred somewhere wasn't he i forget mm-hmm. the number yeah that's last, last summer sometime it was um last spring sometime tyson uh what the hell was i trying to get get out there so the, AQHA these, are, these are aqha awards meaning that they're only for quarter horses like he's the best yeah you have to be registered in the american quarter horse association to be like you have to be a papered papered horse to oh qualify. so this is the best of the aqha horses yeah it wouldn't but be that's like probably a, most of the it would be like livestock like 90 90 percent of what horses okay. are being used in in rodeo because like a lot of Lit- uh lusitano horses in uh, yeah and like and even like there's probably some grade horses like not papered so non-papered horses considered grade but people like don't usually buy grade horses for that fact of not being able to register them oh interesting they're not, they're not as valuable hey was i way off talking about saddling the horse on the left side and holding the reins with the no. left hand is that is that legit good I was pretty sure That's my legit. dad knew what what he was my, the biggest thing my parents love with like reins and lead lead ropes and stuff is never like wrap them around in like a circle on your hand like never loop them Correct. back around through your hand that's like but it, it, i think you can go in either it's hand no, but no. you're right you got a saddle on the left side unless you got some movie horses and stuff okay and um, I, I like that I, I did like the part when you brought up like talking to people who like aren't around horses because like 
in our experience, like living in Calgary, a lot of friends that I've met over the years, like that's like the common theme with people is like how terrified they are of horses, but it usually stems from like one traumatic event or just being around. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Very interesting. I like that part of the conversation. Yeah, buddy. Psychology. Very cool. Ah. Okay, so you've got a couple more things. What else you want to get to on this? Yeah, I, I, one thing I want to, like speaking of like w- winning money and all that kind of stuff. Stetson Wright's already off to that torrent pace in 2023. Yeah. How much money do you think you can win on the year? I think it'd be around? cool to see him make a million bucks in a season. Mm-hmm. That'd be a neat. That'd be a neat milestone to see a rodeo cowboy win that. And not be because the thing about the PBR um, with the I know we've talked about it here before, but the guy wins a million bucks, but he doesn't get a million bucks immediately. Uh, it's hmm. a, it's a annuity like we talked about. So they're, they're now the PBR now is paying out a million dollars a year because they've had the, had the million dollar bonus since 2003. So some guys have already got all their money with a hundred thousand a year for 10 years kind of thing. But I don't know. And I don't know if that's changed or, you know, I'm yeah. pretty sure it's still an annuity and it's, it's kind of a, it still is a cool idea, but for Stetson to be, to maybe making a million dollars a year cash plus hmm. endorsements on top of it. Like that's a, he's probably actually making more in a season than anybody right now. Because the yeah, PBR like the, guys yeah, are yeah. only getting their, they're probably getting, mm-hmm. you know, they're making half a million, uh, but unless they're Kaike and win the two million bucks from the American or something, <laughs> right? So yeah, so yeah, I I would like to see him get a million bucks in a season. I think that's I think that's that's good for the sport. I think it's good for him. Uh, mm-hmm. I think some of it's still too top heavy at times for you know the guys that are fifteenth that only that don't make any money. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's still great that there's, you know, the 10,000 for making the NFR, that's still barely enough, but, uh, still progress and there's opportunity. So yeah. it's kind of like yeah. the PGA guys, if they are to win more and do better, then they're going to win more. So win more, step, up and, oh. step up and do better folks. And did you see that the picture going around from the masters, like Scotty Scheffler's like master's menu and has Nine on cold. the bottom <laughs> the happy go to the yeah. live guys. To oh man. Guys. So good. I'm, Not I'm bad. a full on PGA guy now. I mean, oh really? Yeah. I've been, fall- I've been watching lots of golf and like after yeah. watching the full swing documentary, I'm I'm all in on I'm a big PGA. On PGA? Yeah, oh, I lo- I think the live thing is not not the worst. I think it's good no. for no. I think it's I, I'm just like I'm 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 more actively invested business. in golf and like who's who's playing and I know more who more of the guys are. Mm-hmm. Do you have yeah. a, a certain guy on tour that you follow or like a guy you cheer for? Oh, Joel Damon for sure, man. <laughs> That's my guy. <laughs> that guy's a beauty, man. That's my guy now. Yeah, yeah, he's sick. He's sick. I like uh, I like Max Holm is my guy. I like him. Yeah, he's pretty sweet too. He's done some cool work. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else you got, Wes? You got a couple more things uh, before we wrap it up? One more, one more random topic I wanted to get to. I, I saw uh, a clip from a different show talking about this, but like reclining your seat on an airplane. Are you down? Are you an asshole if you recline your seat, or, you sh- or do you think no. people have free reign? Shit, no. Shit, no. I always watch when I go back though, because I'm like, oh, yeah. Like it's I've one of those because like, they're designed to like recline. So it's like I'm paying yeah. for this flight, so I'm gonna recline my fucking seat. Yeah, dude. exactly. And mm-hmm. if somebody tries to push on my seat, I lean back into it further. Like no, like get out of here what's your what what do you think about like people like getting up on the plane as soon as the plane lands and want to like sprint off the plane that drives me nuts yeah people's people's, like etiquette and like common sense just like goes out the window when they're on a plane for whatever reason like it's crazy shit it's an exercise in patience for me different times (laughs) yeah Yeah. uh and not trying to yell at somebody Mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. i'm not sure what else to say on that fact flying is not fun Flying is not really fun for anybody. There's a lot of stress involved. Mm-hmm. My intentions lately have been to just slow some of the stress down. Um, yeah, it's, How's it been it's going? not been it's going not good. Fun. Yeah, well, like I don't know if I talked about it yet, but I talked to a guy. Uh, I saw well, Brett 
Gardner actually suggested uh, somebody in Calgary here, and I've seen him a couple times. And mm-hmm. one of the sessions was like mostly talking about flying and just how to like stress <laughs> less about it for me because it's been it's a pretty big pain point for as much as I travel it. It mm-hmm. has in the past been a big stressor for me, but uh, in the last in the last couple of trips, like the Dallas trip and the and the Costa Rica trip, some of those have been a little bit less stressful. The Costa Rica one sucked because they canceled our flight, and we were already on like maxed out on our insurance, and that one stressed me out quite a bit. But we I just bought another flight and got home mm-hmm. just to get back. Um, sort out the details later, but but yeah, there's a few things that he talked about that are tools that I can use to reframe the thoughts. And before I physically have an emotion from a, like before a thought turns into a physical emotion or physical feeling, I can change the thought and, and decide which way to take it. That was one of the big takeaways from the, from the meeting we had was it was neat. Cause it's like how our brain works. It's, mm. it's less about, for me, it was less about feelings with, with the uh, psychologist more so, uh, thoughts and changing my thought patterns and it was like a i could i would almost say like say like a bit of a thought coach like if somebody like changed the change the way i'm thinking uh, it's one, it was one of the things that i did when i had really bad anxiety was to go see someone in the same capacity and and help change my thinking and there's been some of that stuff come back at times but i'm glad i can go see somebody now and you know, it's, it's some tools in the toolbox to help, to help deal with it too. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. And, and that's the biggest thing. Like it may not go away forever, but having those, those yeah. tools is, is a huge deal. Cool, man. Well, when, I wanted to ask about your Costa Rica trip too. I we never got to that either. Yeah. How was that good, dude? Uh, we got some golf in. It was nice. It was warm. It was good. I kind of worked the whole time. So we were working, just working from somewhere warm, essentially. That mm-hmm. was kind of the biggest thing I got. I still have a few things that I got to get caught up from when we left, but yeah, it was nice to go do that. Uh, I think we'll go. I think I'm Costa Rica out though now. I think the plan would be to go uh, somewhere probably closer um, on the next trips. Probably like, uh, I don't know. I like, I really liked Cabo when we went there. So I think that'd be, yeah, that was like a sweet trip. One, but but, uh, but yeah, next trips, uh, I guess we got a few things going to BC with you here in a little bit. And then, and then uh, what else? Or the horse expo in, in April. Things. Yeah, and then I'm going to Dawson Creek too, and then go right into uh well actually flying I never told you this. We're flying down Cade and I are flying down to Vegas to meet Donnie to go golf there on the way home with him and help him drive back. Oh sick. That'll for be Donnie, fun so we're meeting Donnie on the 29th and his birthday's the 30th. So so it'll be kind of nice. fun for, for Don and his uh his two sons to his go two boys, and, his two favorite boys, yeah. his two special boys. Yeah. Yeah, so it'll be kind of cool. So, <laughs> so you just gonna yeah, like golf your way back or what? Uh, well, we, it'll probably get too cold. So it's probably just the mesquite one. And then it's like, we're, we're like 16 hours from mesquite home. So we'll probably just zip yeah. back. I saw an Instagram good. video of that mesquite golf course. It was supposed to be pretty epic. Was, was that, that one you're talking about? Wind? I think mm, that's the one. It's I can't remember the one. But I remember you, yeah, you were looking it up on our way down when we were driving through Vegas. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Or driving yeah, to Vegas. You were looking it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. That so one. we're going to go check that out. Be fun. Yeah. So we got lots to do, man. Lots going on. Um, Yeah. It's rock and rolling. What do you got coming on, baby? Uh, not much, man. We're coming. We've got a quick trip to Calgary coming up this weekend. Oh, come yeah. say hi to some people, say it. And then, uh, Jen and I are going back to Altitudes where we met at the end of the month, the oh, 31st cool. and 1st. Are you going to propose there? Oh, God, no. I need to put on my Montana, <laughs> I need to put on my Montana silversmith order before I do that, Teddy. I can give you one. You're my guy. You're my I can guy. give you one. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, man. Uh, have fun. We'll yeah, talk buddy. to you later. Sounds on. good. Yeah, I'll talk to you later. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Once again, this is Cowboy Shit. I'm Teddy's Wacy. Thanks for tuning in all these shows. 
Uh, once again, hopefully you don't get offended by uh, anything we say or do on the show. But if you do, that's great. That's what we're trying to do sometimes. So uh, hope Sounds you like a you problem. Yeah. Okay. See you next time. <laughs> Take me to see the voodoo queen. Let her put a spell on me. A little bit of change is my pain. Go set a young man free. Hola